Welcome to the Renegade Dynasty Podcast with your hosts, John Maffey, Marty Linder, and Matt Black. You can find us on Twitter at FFRenegades and visit our website at FantasyFootballRenegades.com. All right, we're going to kick off today's podcast with the discussion of our draft and our draft. We're going to go down the first round. We're going to discuss into the second round potentially, and then anyone that we're maybe interested in that got drafted in some later rounds that are standout people or players we thought that people kind of got a steal at later on in the draft that we had a little higher ranking on. So we're going to start off with our first pick in our draft was Kyler Murray. A quarterback yes. out of Oklahoma who was drafted by the Arizona Cardinals with their new coach, Cliff Kingsbury. And what does everybody think about Murray going first in the draft or Kyler Murray as a player in the NFL for a, as a dynasty pick? Uh, okay, so going first overall, it is important to point out that we are not a super flex uh, or two QB league at all. And he still went first overall. I think... You'll find this as we go through our draft uh, in general. We took a lot of QBs very high. And honestly, I kind of think it's a little bit of a uh, a Patrick Mahomes effect here. Of people kind of wanting to find the next Patrick Mahomes and to get that, that huge fantasy contributor that's going to last a long time for their dynasty team. Kyler is a prospect I really like. He's really good. I'm not sure that he's good enough to justify him going one overall over Josh Jacobs, Montgomery, or Harry. That's my two cents. Yeah, I agree. I think that there is a premium for quarterbacks in our league. We've seen that year over year where ADP shows quarterbacks further down the list and our league drafts them higher. However, I do think that there is some questions surrounding Kyler Murray at this point, and also questions regarding the Arizona Cardinals and Cliff Kingsbury at this point, considering what happened in the second preseason game between Arizona and Oakland. Mm-hmm. It, it didn't look great, but I'm not sure it's the most indicative thing in the world. Everything still remains to be seen with Kyler Murray, but taking him first overall in a dynasty... It'll pay off if he's a top five QB every year. Here's where I'll disagree with you on that one, Matt. If you look at quarterbacks, the longevity in the league, you think about a dynasty, you're going to be, you're going to be having these players forever. So if you get a QB okay. and he's going to last 10 to 15 years in the NFL, that that's ideally in a dynasty where you would want to expend that draft capital versus a running back who might have a three to four year career. A hell of a lot uh, longer than any other position. And a good quarterback is going to have an extended, you know, top tier, top end of their career for a longer period of time, too. I mean, they're going to be well into their 30s before they start to drop off. Mm-hmm. I mean, so yeah, I don't disagree. Yeah, I, I think that the Dynasty League and our Dynasty League format with our scoring generally affects quarterback draft position and drives it up just because they score a lot of points in our league and, you know, into the their ratio down a little bit. They're not scoring yard the same yards and as say a running back or wide receiver but they just put up such a volume that they're going to put up a lot of numbers as to kyler murray specifically i don't believe in him i had a low grade on him coming out of college i didn't like that he was hiding i, I felt like he was hiding a lot of his talent going into the um to the combine and then the pro day at oklahoma 
I thought he, I think the better quarterbacks are just going to show up and go, this is what I am and be very confident in their talent. And I feel like him, it was a big manipulation by the Kyler Murray camp to get him drafted number one in the NFL. I mean, make him bigger than he was. Don't let him run a 40 because he might be at, you know, two tenths or a tenth of a second slower than you'd like to show him off. Don't, you know, his arm's not, maybe don't have him throw a lot of throws or just, just a lot of little things to manipulate the situation. I don't think he's looked that well. I didn't like him in college. I didn't think he looked, this is going to sound crazy to a lot of people. I didn't think some of his accuracy was all that great. And he looked like he had happy feet in the pocket a little bit. Like he always wanted to get out and run. And I'm not sure how that's going to translate to the NFL. I know everybody's excited about the air raid offense, but I don't think that Murray necessarily is able to translate that to the NFL with his, what I looked at as his quarterback play in college. I remember, Marty, when you were looking at Kyler and you basically said most of his throws were to people that were wide open. Or looked schemed open. He was making throws before guys came open, which I can understand in the timing route, but it looked more like a, the coach said, throw it here, it's a scheme opening or guys that were wide open because Oklahoma has such better talent and, and the big 12 is kind of wide open into a defense. So yeah, he looked like I, I saw some throws where he overthrew Marquise Brown by several feet over his head and Brown made phenomenal catches to pull him in. And and there was a lot of stuff like that, that I saw that I was just like, that that's a red flag for me. You know, if, if he was hitting guys and the guys were dropping it, that which I saw with my quarterback, I drafted last year, Josh Allen, I think your accuracy goes up, but when you're missing guys, I don't know. They do the analytics on it and they come out with this, but I just saw some throws that I wasn't too impressed with for a guy who's got a nice arm, but he's a little short. And I don't know how that affects the throwing motion. He's not throwing the ball down. He may be throwing the ball slightly up and then down. I don't know. Something like that, but not a big fan of Kyler Murray coming out of the, uh, coming out of college. So I guess we've discussed Kyler Murray. We're going to move on to our second pick. And this pick was also a bit of a, a shocker when it was taken um, because it was a tight end taken second in yeah. the draft. So we have a new owner in our league, and, and he definitely had a, a weakness at tight end position. So he jumped up in the second – didn't jump up. He was in the second position, and he took T.J. Hawkinson, Hawkinson, Hawkinson. Uh, the Detroit Lion, um, out of Iowa. So mm-hmm. what's uh, – what are we, what's our take on that draft position and his his ability to be a good NFL tight end? Okay, so there's this was a really, really strong draft for tight ends. Uh, overall, there were a whole lot of them that are really good dynasty prospects and could end up becoming really good players out in the NFL. And I think Hawkinson is probably the top amongst them, basically for sure. Uh, his teammate Noah Fant is a physical monster, but... Hawkinson just has such a complete game as a tight end that you can't deny it. My issue with this pick really honestly comes down to him being taken second, mainly because, more so than any position in the NFL, uh, wide receiver gets a little bit of this, more so than any any position in the NFL, tight end takes a long time to develop. A, a yes. really long time to develop. And when you're taking a player at second overall uh, in, a, in a rookie draft... I feel like you're wanting something that's going to be contributing now right away, especially assuming that you were the second worst team. Uh, and I'm not sure that Hawkinson is going to be that Gronk level tight end that, that has that freak rookie year because it almost never happens. So drafting him at second, you're basically hoping he's the next Rob Gronkowski. 
that's a big risk to take for me. I liked him more in the middle of the first round, and I think second's a little too high, especially considering you could go out with this pick and draft a Josh Jacobs or a David Montgomery who are more likely to have that big rookie season and then maybe trade one of those players for a tight end, maybe an established one or maybe one of these rookies that people are sitting here looking at the roster going, oh, why haven't they done anything? And we also know that, like you said, Matt, this draft had a lot of tight ends. Mm-hmm. We also know that tight ends can be successful in the later rounds, more so mm-hmm. than any other position. So waiting for a tight end could have paid off for him. And I agree with you. Drafting him in the second position, I think, was a reach. His ADP was seven. And mm-hmm. when you're five spots off of the ADP with your first pick, you're really at the passing second pick up overall too. At the second pick overall, you're really passing up on some value. So mm-hmm. I think the smarter move would have been for him to try to trade down. Someone if he, else if you really love really talk, try to trade down. Try yeah. to trade down. Now, of course, he's he's a new member to the league. He doesn't know everyone, so he probably felt like he doesn't really have the opportunity to trade. And he, you know, heard our first podcast that said he needed a, a tight end and just said, hey, Hawkinson is great. I'm going to go ahead and do it. Uh-huh. And he may not have a feel for the draft. I mean, to, to know where a guy might fall to, to feel comfortable with that. Because, I mean, in his defense in this situation, if he did waited to the second round, he would have probably missed out on both Hawkinson and Fant. Mm-hmm. Maybe could so, Smith. Yeah, but but, but or do you think Irv Smith's going to have the same career Hawkinson might or Hawkinson might? I mean, you're talking about probably not. So I mean, okay, if let's assume if on one hand Hawkinson does turn out to be Gronk in three years, it's a great pick. It's a great taking pick. him in second. Yeah, but if yeah. he doesn't, then we go. Okay, well, you shouldn't have taken them. I, that's the problem with. I, I can see what we're saying about him taking the tight end too high, but we just. I think a player, if a player turns out to be great and you believe in him, I don't think it, taking him in any position is necessarily wrong. Yeah, that, that's honestly an important part of at least my dynasty philosophy mm-hmm. is sometimes you just have your guy. And it's so much worse to watch your guy succeed on somebody else's team Ooh, than to yeah. have a busted out pick. That if you really believe in a guy like Hawkinson or Kyler Murray, take him first overall, take him second overall, because they're going to be part of your team for a while. And if they turn out great, you're going to have more fun than if you went with somebody else who turns out middling and you missed out on your guy. I agree with that 100%. And we'll, we'll see that uh, with my pick in the draft uh, coming up in a few minutes. Yeah. I, I really think that the dynasty is so much different. It, it, it is literally clo- much closer to the NFL in that you are taking guys to fill out your team and fill out your positions. And I've been in those, you know, a yearly league, and I can see the difference if you take a quarterback in the first round instead of a running back, how that affects just the, the draft order, who you take, how guys fall to you, that a getting out of the, the normal ADP can really screw up your team because I've had it happen where I was like, I'll shake it up when it didn't work. But in Dynasty, I think it just it's such a different developmental structure that you know, we look at other guys and go, oh, you took this position too high. But, you know, it's dynasty. It's like, you know, mm-hmm. they talk about that in the NFL. Oh, you took a running back too high. Yeah, it just depends on your valuation. If the guy's superhuman, like Saquon Barkley, you know, it's good. And they're like, well, you could have built your team differently. But, you know, you just don't know how that's going to play out long run. Uh-huh. So, Especially in dynasty where we don't actually have any control over the players. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's, it's a different animal there. Mm-hmm. 
Okay, so moving on, we'll jump into our third pick, which was taken by our host, Matt Black. He hey. took Josh Jacobs, the Oakland running back out of Alabama. So yeah. Josh, you know, he's, he was uh, considered the best running back coming out of this draft. He was taken in the first round by the Raiders, which is kind of high. So Matt, tell us your thinking behind drafting Josh Jacobs. Okay, so coming into this pick, as I kind of alluded to earlier, I didn't really expect Josh Jacobs to be here. I figured he was kind of a, uh, a, a guaranteed lock to go at either one or two. I thought just, your brother would take him at one. Looking at yeah, his team, I, mean, I probably would have taken him at one. Just because his, his situation is so good going into a backfield with basically no competition, and then on top of that, he is is a pretty solidly talented runner. Mm-hmm. Honestly, it got to my pick, and I was looking at him who, you know, pretty much the consensus won overall for rookies this year. I didn't think about it too much. I drafted Josh Jacobs because he was there. Honestly, leading into the draft, I was kind of mentally talking down Josh Jacobs because I didn't think there was a chance I could get him. And then when, when he fell to me, I'm like, okay, so I told myself I liked other players more than him. But now that he's here, if I'm being honest, he's probably going to be... At least this year, the best draft in the or the the best back in this class. So I took him. I didn't think too much about it, and I'm happy to have him on my team. I, I thought it was a no-brainer. Really, mm-hmm. the only other player that you could have thought about was Nikhil Harry. Uh, mm-hmm. Those two, I think, were pretty close as number one overall. The ADP yeah. had Jacobs at one. Your pick was number three. So you know, it's hard to argue with that pick. Yeah. I I think it was just good. And going into the draft, too, the only running back I had on my roster, basically, was Christian McCaffrey, which he's great, but I only had the one. Outside of that, my next best back was Matt Breida and a jumbled backfield. So running back was also a position in need for me. I, I think it, it just worked out so perfectly that Josh Jacobs fell to me here. I was looking at your roster cuts, and I said, hey, he could just cut nine running backs and get his roster down to the correct size when the season starts and yeah. not miss anybody. <laughs> I think Josh Jacobs is a great pick. I, I, I'm not a huge fan of his. I don't think there was a lot of running back talent this year. I think he was the best one available. But I, I, I agree with that wholeheartedly. He got drafted high. He's going to be utilized heavily. He's going to get a lot of opportunities. He's going he's gonna to put up numbers. They may not be phenomenal considering his usage, but they're going to be numbers. They're going to be good, and that's going to be functional to play him in our league. And I think you can't – there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. And, yeah, and Gruden yeah. has the biggest crush on him I've ever seen from a coach to a player. And landing Gruden's- spot and opportunity is so important. And first-year production from a rookie is so important to establish them as the starter or as a value to the team. And it's been shown over and over again that when you produce in your first year, you're going to produce in your second year. So for Josh Jacobs to walk into a situation where he is definitely the number one running back. He's going to produce. You know he's going to get the carries. He's going to produce next year. The yeah. only knock on him was, as you said, he wasn't that great of a running back, really. He's the best mm. in this in this class. He ran a 4.6940. That's pretty slow for uh, you know, a 220 back. Yeah. Um, he had a 91 speed score, which is low. I mean, 100 is considered good. So 91 is you know not good. He's going to get the opportunity. We'll talk more about opportunity when we talk to D- about David Montgomery uh, <laughs> because he's in a situation kind of where he's the only guy as well. So We have uh, a couple I, opportunity guys in the first round yeah. here, definitely. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, that's totally great. I think Josh Jacobs might be in the league three to five years. I mean, yeah, they're going to run him and they're going to use him. I don't. They took him a little high. That may elongate out of his career. I think, he, but they're going to utilize him heavily, and probably by the time he's twenty six, twenty seven, he's going to be a backup, or you know, he's going to get some carries, but he's just going to be used up. The way the yeah, league's going, that. that would be yeah. You, you mentioned how important it is for a for a rookie to establish themselves year one in the real world. I also think it's important to think about in dynasty because if you have a rookie go off and they're super good, all of a sudden they become the most valuable dynasty commodity in the world. So if Josh Jacobs come out comes out here and wins rookie of the year, that's awesome for me for my production this year. And it also makes him way easier to trade for some other piece in the future. Yeah, yeah. you you after his third year, you could utilize that. He still looks good. And then you could trade him to someone who's uh, running back crazy and yeah. get something good out of it. I've, I've seen you do that. Mm-hmm. A lot of Dynasty is figuring out when to buy and sell your players, I think. I, I agree with that completely. That's that's a very good point is, is, yeah, your ability. We'll get into that when we talk about the trades later, but, yeah, that's a definite yep. important thing. <laughs> All right. Now, next up is the Bulldogs. And at the fourth pick, they took David Montgomery, uh, running back for the Chicago Bears. So what do we think about this pick? I'll let uh, Matt or John kick us off. Who wants I'll to start, start it? I'll start off. Um, there, there's a joke with some other fantasy football analysts. Of David Montgomery's nickname was David Mopportunity. And that, that's because he has the opportunity. He, again, is also not that great uh, from a speed point of view. He's a little bit faster, 463, a little bit heavier at 222. So he scored a 97 speed score. That's pretty close to 100. So when you're getting close to 100, you think, okay, that's pretty good. But when you look at his landing spot at the Bears, he's the number one, and there's no question. And he had pass-catching ability coming out of college. He He's going to be a big producer. And as the Bulldogs said in their note for the draft, he s- said, Montgomery was not even on my radar, but after Hawkinson was gone and RB was strong need for my team, I pulled the trigger. I, I couldn't agree more. I think it was a no-brainer for him to take Montgomery mm-hmm. at four. And that was what his ADP was. So uh, mm-hmm. it's really a, a solid pick, and I think he's going to produce for the Bulldogs and – He'll be very happy with that pick. John, I think you said something perfect there about the fact that he took the best player available at that position at that time that that he's going to get, you know, opportunity. I don't think this draft was really deep in talent. I think, you know, we even saw in the NFL, there was just a lot of defensive players drafted this year. Mm -hmm. So offensive was definitely down. And I think you see a lot of this as we go on in our draft where guys are not excited about drafting players but they're just drafting players based on opportunity draft position you know guys there's there's not a lot of energy around any of the guys in the draft this year as much as i think we've seen in the past out of players like say a a sam darnold with the exception of kyler murray having a lot of energy towards him yeah so like you said i think we're going to see as we go on a lot of guys who are just hey he was in the right position at the right time and he's going to get opportunity and he's my guy and but I, I, David Montgomery, he was a decent looking back. I, I don't do the um, speed score and analytics as much, but I watched him run, and I just wasn't overcome with his footwork. I think he's going to be functional in the NFL, but again, I don't think he's going to be great. But he is going to be given the opportunity. So, yeah, there you um, go. David Montgomery isn't the biggest size speed guy. Like he's not, he's not the most enticing physical prospect. But I think PFF absolutely loves him because I think he demolished the broken tackles metric. 
So something to to get kind of excited about with him. He was he was really really good at just making people miss with just the slight hip movement that he uses a lot. Could end up being really good at Chicago. They they've done really good work with running backs in the past. I don't know. They, I got, they've I moved him in really and out. In Chicago, I was really surprised they let go of Howard this year. I thought Howard was fairly decent there, and they moved on to Montgomery. I think they. They're very pragmatic about their running back usage, and he'll get some usage for a few years, and they'll probably move on to another one, which is, mm-hmm. you know, nothing wrong with that. That's basically the running back position in the NFL now. With Tariq Cohen doing his gadget thing the whole time. Right, and I was a little <laughs> bit surprised. You know, we Montgomery is high, but I thought Cohen would be – I I kind of thought that guy was going to – I don't want to say lead back because he's not really a lead back, but he is definitely going to take a lot of carries and, and pass catching a little bit away from Montgomery. So. Yeah, he could. It, it was kind of weird. This offseason, he said, like, oh, I don't expect my usage to go up, and I'm totally okay with that because I like my coach or whatever. It was kind of a weird statement that came out of uh, came from him in an interview. I, I, uh, I got to wonder if they've told him, hey, we want you here for eight to ten years or eight years. We like what you do, and we don't want to burn you up like we do a normal running back. You yeah. know what I'm saying? We could like be. the explosiveness, dynamicness, 50 to 100 yards you give us every game no matter what. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Certainly talented. Yes, definitely. All right. We're going to move on to our fifth pick now. And this one was by John. And he drafted Dwayne Haskins after making a trade and moving up from six to fourth. So, John, what uh, what prompted the move up? And how do you feel about uh, Haskins at this point? Well, it was uh, actually seventh to fifth. Oh, seventh to fifth. I'm sorry. Yeah. I've got but... that off my brain here. What I was thinking at the time was from our first podcast when we actually our second podcast, when we were talking about what were the needs of the different teams and I knew tornadoes needed a quarterback. I saw that he had put in a a pre-draft selection. So in my mind, I'm thinking, okay, he either wants Haskins or he wants Daniel Jones. I don't know which one he wants, but I know from my analysis of looking at the two, I wanted Haskins. And so I looked at the the member of the league that was at five, and I said, hey, what, what do you think? I'm going to take a quarterback. You don't need a quarterback. Uh, you can end up with Nikhil Harry with the seventh pick overall, which is a phenomenal steal, right? And pick up and pick up a little more and, yeah, and pick without up a doing anything. More. So I traded him a third-round pick t- from the 2020 draft, and I think that's going to be have some value. We know the 2020 draft has got a lot of talent in it. And expected to be very good. Expected to be very good, and of course, that's not always the case. However, I felt like, just like you were talking before, Matt, if you want your guy, you go get your guy. And in this case, I didn't want to settle for Daniel Jones. I wanted to get my guy, Haskins, and if he fails, he fails. Uh, and actually looking at it now, Daniel Jones is looking pretty good. Haskins is looking kind of inconsistent. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, Haskins was weak the first week, but second week Haskins looked really good last week. He was a little inconsistent. But r- regardless, I wanted to get my guy. I felt like he has the best chance of starting this year. I didn't think Daniel Jones was going to ever get a start this year, which I could be wrong. And I needed a quarterback to fill in my bye week, which is, I believe, the seventh week. So if Haskins isn't starting by the seventh week, then uh, I'm going to have to go without a quarterback. But that was basically my thinking. Matt, what do you think about Dwayne Haskins? 
Uh, I liked him a lot, especially coming into the draft. Um, I, I liked his landing spot, too. For opportunity, granted, I don't think the skill position players around him are all that spectacular. But I like Dwayne Haskins. I'd, I'd have a hard time taking him high because he's not, like, my guy. But I like him. I think he's solid. I think he's a good player. Yeah, it, it remains to be seen. I kind of feel like Washington could chew him up and spit him out just because the players around him are so bad and, like, his confidence could get shot. But I like him in general. I think if he can hold himself together, he can end up being a really good quarterback in this league. Slow, he doesn't have a lot of mobility, but he's really, really, really good at reading defenses. I think the best in this draft, for sure, at reading defenses, getting the ball out where it needs to go. Uh, and and letting his playmakers do stuff with the football, yeah. so I I like him. Went a little high for my taste, but you know he's a, he's a good quarterback. He's my second favorite quarterback in the draft for sure. Who was your first? Was it Kyler Murray? Kyler for me, yeah, okay. I do like Kyler. Uh, I Dwayne Haskins was my favorite quarterback in the draft. I liked his footwork in the pocket. I was pretty, you know, I think that he was getting graded a lot by people who he's slow of foot. He's not sprinting out of the pocket. He's not breaking the pocket. Uh-huh. But he stayed in the pocket and he moved around and avoided the rush. You know, moved with the moved away from the pressure and and stayed upright. Kept his eyes downfield. I thought that was amazing. He could sense the pressure and move pretty well with, from what I've seen in college. He, and he, he, made, he has a good blockers arm. a lot. Yeah. He helps his blockers a lot with that pocket mobility that you were talking about. Yeah, and I think that's a rare thing in the NFL to see a guy who can sense pressure. To me, mm-hmm. it reminded me of watching a quarterback from the 80s like Dan Marino who, for some reason, just happened to step forward three steps or you know, step just away from the pressure because they can uh-huh. sense it coming. And he seems to have that ability from what I've seen. You know, We'll, we'll see how that plays out in the NFL. But um, I liked him a lot. When I looked at all the quarterbacks, I had him ranked as my – my top one, and I think my number two was who was going to be our next pick um, was Daniel Jones. And Daniel Jones initially I wasn't high on, but I moved up on him. But I think Dwayne Haskins was I thought that actually a pretty good steal at five because I thought he was the best quarterback available. And if you needed a quarterback, if John had waited till the second round, which I don't think you had a second round pick, I did um, not. Yeah, so you, you your hand Matt. was kind of tied <laughs> next to Matt. Your yeah. hand was kind of tied that you were going to have to take a QB or, or want to take a QB in the first round, and I think you you did a really good job with yeah. that. Th- thanks to Matt, and thanks to Alex Smith with his spiral compound fracture. And evidently something's wrong with the Washington Redskins training staff. Uh, there's, some, there's evidently some murmuring out there right now that there's some just something weird with that training staff and the players are unhappy. Hmm. And there's, there's – yeah. That. You know, yeah, it was, I think it was the the tight end, or not the tight end, the tackle that's sitting out. Smith, what's his name? Anyway, they have a tackle who's basically talking retirement in Washington right now and doesn't want to negotiate, doesn't want to be there anymore. And evidently, it largely has to do with something with the training staff. And like you said, yeah, Alex Smith's situation, you know, they're questioning now if there's, you know, maybe there's a problem with the training staff there. I don't know. Interesting. Weird. I hadn't heard any of that. I just kind of heard it the other day a little short snippet and i'm like oh that's kind of interesting that'll be you know who knows what that plays out as but that's just kind of an interesting thing yeah interesting all right well we're going to move on to our sixth pick which is the tornadoes and they took the quarterback for the giants daniel jones daniel jones daniel jones not not highly regarded um laughing stock of the draft uh i don't know if he was the laughing stock or the giants were the laughing stock for taking him so high uh-huh. 
But um, I think he's looked reasonable in preseason, had a fumble issue as he's getting sacked, strip sacked a couple of times. I'm not high on him. I don't think he's a spectacular talent. But I, after watching him play, he's better than I graded him out. I do think still taking him that high seemed a little crazy for the Giants. I thought, especially with their multiple picks, they could have waited till their second pick in the first round and taken him. But they evidently felt the need to replace Eli, and they've been feeling the need to replace Eli, I think, for a couple of years. But... <laughs> It's hard for them to pull the trigger and get rid of uh, the great Eli Manning. So, Matt, what do you think about Daniel Jones? I like him. I think he. I, I. I agree with the consensus that he was taken too high. But I mean, we're we're recording this after the second preseason game, uh, second round of preseason games. Yeah. And he's he's looking better than I think anyone really expected him to. Maybe he's playing with a chip on his shoulder. Who knows? It, he obviously wasn't surrounded with very much talent at all in college so maybe we all just didn't i don't know didn't look at him long long and hard enough and maybe uh dave gettleman will end up being the one laughing into the night because he looks pretty good right now i'm still not in love with him even if he ends up getting the starting job fantasy wise i don't expect him to be top 10 I, I don't expect him to be a top 10 guy every year. Dwayne Haskins could. Kyler Murray definitely could just because of the rushing aspect of his game. But honestly, I don't I don't think Daniel Jones is going to be that great for fantasy. He might end up being really good for the Giants, but I don't know. It's kind of Saquon or bust on the Giants for me. Yeah, I agree with that. So, John, you, you passed on Daniel Jones, so that's evidently, you know, is it, what, what particular thing turned you off from him? Well, I, I think, you know, Matt said it pretty well. It wasn't such a big difference between Daniel Jones and Dwayne Haskins for me. However, when when I watched Dwayne Haskins at the Combine, I saw a young kid who had a lot of confidence and a, a big, strong kid that was ready to be an NFL quarterback. And he certainly had the arm. As you talked about his mobility, he ran a 5.04.40. It's not that great, but as you said, he senses his pocket well. I didn't see that from Daniel Jones. So if I had ended up having to take Daniel Jones, I would have been okay with that. And I think you even mentioned to me that Haskins or Jones you were fine with. But for me, Haskins had the edge. And... I believe in getting the guy that you believe in, just like Matt said earlier. And so I went out on a limb and gave away a third round pick next year so that I could get my guy. And yeah. the other part the other part of that is that when you're playing in a dynasty league like we are, and you draft all of these players and you pick up waiver wire picks like we do towards the end of the season, you have to make a lot of cuts. And so a lot of times I'm thinking, you know, going into next year, I'm not going to be able to hold on to all five of my picks next year. Whoever I pick, some of those guys are going to get cut. And so my thinking was going into next year, I'm going to keep my first round pick. I'm going to keep my second round pick. And it's okay to give away that third round. And the fourth and the fifth are just flyers that you might get lucky on. And I like, like I said, I wanted to get my guy and I felt like the position of giving up a third round pick wasn't going to hurt my roster. I was probably going to end up having to cut somebody anyway. And and my strategy is to keep my first and my second round picks for next year. That's that's basically it. 
And we've seen in our drafts that that the third round pick is really a crapshoot. The first and second, the first round pick usually you have a pretty good success rate. Second round it tapers off, and the third round you're there's not as much talent there. And then after that, it's just it's a very much a crapshoot. So yeah, giving up the third round pick is is not a bad thing. And if it improves your team, you're going to be getting it's going to be a later round pick too. So that's not going to hurt you very much at all. Third rounds in dynasty to me, at least in a fourteen team league, they're right on the edge of useful. Yeah. Like. Fourth and fifth are really just crapshoots. Pick up your veterans there. Pick up your long shots. Third round, Kickers. there's sometimes somebody, that it, someone that that has value that you can you can sniff out of the uh, out, out of the rest of it. First and second are a different story. First is in its own tier. Second's in its own tier. Yeah. Uh, and third yeah. can be useful. Fourth and fifth might as well not exist half the time. <laughs> I agree, and it also depends where in the third. You know, if it's a late yeah, round of third. Course. An early third and a late third are so different, especially in yes. a fourteen-team league. Yes. Yeah, I mean, it, I think that's where the third and fourth and fifth rounders, where if you can, if you have a slight better grading system and talent evaluation, or whatever you're using, that's where that can really make a difference. Where your mm-hmm. opportunity can go up. I mean, I, I said I got George Kittle in the third round. It was a later pick. So it's just about finding those guys who are deeply buried on everyone's chart as players coming out and identifying them as talent that's being mm-hmm. um, under underappreciated. I got so, I got James uh, Conner in the third, same, kind of yeah. the same deal. Yeah, yeah. I just looked at volume right there. That's just churning out volume where you can take that opportunity to throw three picks at a different position or players mm-hmm. and go boom, here we go. All right, we're going to move on to our seventh pick now, which is the first wide receiver taken in the draft. And that would be Nikhil Harry of the New England Patriots. Yeah, stopped the free fall of Nikhil Harry. Stopped uh-huh. the free fall in our league of Nikhil Harry. I mean, he was waiting for the call. He was in the green room. <laughs> Nothing was coming across the phone. He was starting to cry. He was worried that he was going to have to, he's only going to get a four-year, not a five-year contract, which actually <laughs> would have been better for free agency. So, John, you're a little more familiar with Nikhil Harry than I am. What do you think about him? Well, I loved Nikhil Harry, and I felt like he easily could have been the the top pick in the draft. Uh, he ran a four five three at two twenty eight, six foot two, hundred and ten speed score. He had a two point one phenom score, which means he's one standard deviation above in production coming out of college, and one standard deviation below the age of players coming out of college. So he had everything going for me. I easily, if I was looking for a wide receiver, I would have taken him with my pick. And I would have taken him probably with the first pick. I wasn't a big fan of Josh Jacobs other than the opportunity. The only thing I'd say against Harry at this point was his landing spot. Mm-hmm. And go, going to New England, there's always a lot of different receivers in New England. There, there's rarely someone except maybe Julian Edelman who gets a large share of volume. So it's going to be interesting to see how that turns out. And, of course, we just had Josh Gordon reinstated. It's going to be interesting to see what, what he gets. So I think the, the, the landing spot for Nikhil Harry is really the only uh, red flag that I see for him in this draft. And speaking of landing spot, do you think New England would then be so – is New England des- desperate enough for wide receiver talent? Because they've been chasing wide receiver talent the last few years because they've been really – bear on it but if gordon comes back but they don't want to deal with the in and out you think if he produces a few good games they might trade him i don't this is off speculation and that would make harry a little better later in the season 
It um, would certainly make Harry better. I'm not sure how likely that is. That's that's my question, I think, more so, is would New England be likely to give up on Josh Gordon or take advantage of uh, trading him somewhere else? That in in the middle Harry. of the season, almost for sure not. Though Especially I, if he's I producing. They don't bring him back. And then Nikhil yeah. Harry becomes more valuable in future years. Yeah, I Trade think Gordon... Season. Gordon could easily have another incident off the field that could just end his career. Um, and at that point, you just, you know, you're stuck with uh, no Josh Gordon. I certainly would not dra- draft Josh Gordon highly in any any format at this point. If you've got him on your roster, I, I, I think, do the Bulldogs have him? Yeah, I think uh, they do right now. Whoever whoever has Josh Gordon is really happy that he's been reinstated, but I certainly wouldn't trade for him. I wouldn't draft him. I, I don't want to touch him with you know with a ten foot pole. I mean, he's a, he's a great talent, but you know those off the field issues just kill you. I'd take him as a flyer. I'd take him with a third, fourth, fifth, and rookie drafts. Yeah, oh, if he's yeah. available, it'd be a nice guy to pick mm-hmm. up to, to see if he can play it out. And then if he stumbles, you just go, oh well, he stumbled, but. <laughs> So, Matt, what do you think of Nikhil Harry? Uh, I really like Nikhil Harry. He was definitely my favorite receiver prospect coming into the draft. I paused for, uh, I paused on my pick, really thinking about between Jacobs and Harry. I ended up going with Jacobs. I had less of a need at receiver. And I was scared off a little bit by the, uh, the, the landing spot. The analytics on him are great. Really good breakout age. He's he's a really solid athletic prospect. When you watch his tape too, he fits into the New England Patriots offense really well. He did a lot of the uh, the kind of dinky and dunky passes. He caught a lot of screens and slants, and was really good at turning those into extra yardage. But that's kind of the Edelman role. It's kind of the kind of the Edelman role, but presumably Edelman's going to phase out of that offense at some point. I wouldn't expect Nikhil Harry to be super influential fantasy-wise this year. I think he's a pick that's going to be great next year, the year after, which is kind of true of most receivers, I'd say, but... Three-year three window. Yeah, th- yeah three-year growth it's, cycle. It's that, that third-year receiver thing. Yeah. I, I mean, outside of the 2014 draft class, if you ignore that, receivers basically never produce their rookie year anyway. So I it's think he's, he's going to take his time to, uh, to, to learn his learn the offense it's going to take some time and i feel like down the road if new england can find a good replacement for tom brady he's going to end up being a really really good wide receiver for a long time yeah i think top tier talent guys produces rookies pretty quickly i don't not produce big they're not necessarily number ones but they put up they get yeah. close to thousand yard seasons and that's an indicativeness of where they're going to go in their career and how good they're going to be oh i i agree with that but a receiver very rarely is going to be a uh, a wide receiver one his rookie year, like a fantasy wide receiver one his rookie year. Yeah, yeah, you're, yeah. You're, yeah. But they are. And he could be. He could be a one. fantasy wide receiver too easily this year. Could. Oh yeah, I, I, he should. He should be at his draft position and where he landed at. The, he should be a, a, a wide mm-hmm. receiver too. He should fit in our league between fifteen and twenty eight really easily. I expect he should be at the top top end of that. No. Uh, well, unless unless Jacoby Myers keeps out playing him. <laughs> it's preseason. It's I, pre-season. Every, everybody gets all giddy about stuff. I'm like, it's preseason. I, I you know, let's. I, I tell me about game four. I just want to know who's making. I just want. I tell. I want to know who's making the roster. That's my uh-huh. biggest thing. It's like, how many of my guys are getting cut, 
and yeah. who do I need to take off my team? And how many guys are third string on the depth chart? You know, yeah. that then they're gone. So I don't I didn't look at Nikhil Harry really hard. I didn't anticipate him being available to me. I did watch some film on him. He looks really nice. He's obviously very talented athletically, but there's a lot of athletically talented wide receivers. I didn't but I think he's going to be a good pick. I think he was probably the best wide receiver out there to take. So I uh-huh. I thought it was a good pick at seven. And I think he got, for a wide receiver to drop down to seven, I think that was a nice. And and for the team who took him to need a wide receiver, I think that was just fortuitous. So yeah. everything worked out really well. It was, it was a great pick. It might go down as the best pick in this draft, uh, considering um, how late Possibly. Possibly. It, it, I, it could you never know. You go back and look at drafts. Like I've I've gone back and looked at some of our old drafts and went, wow, I wouldn't have thought that was the best pick then, but there yeah. it is. So all right. So let's move on to the eighth pick in our draft, which is another running back in Miles Sanders at Philadelphia. And I'll start out with this and say I have no interest in Miles Sanders, except for the fact evidently that it he's supposed to start in Philadelphia and people got excited about that. But I, I I, I just I'm not excited. I there's no problem with taking him if you need a running back, I suppose, but I just I had no energy for the running backs this year. I just uh, thought it was kind of a dead, dead position. I I actually could not disagree more. I really liked Miles Sanders. I was a big fan out of him. I, I like his measurables decently, but I absolutely love his tape. I was a big fan. He looks like discount Saquon Barkley to me. Now granted he is discount, but I think he's gonna overtake all the other backs there in Philly. Uh, it's not going to be nearly as much as a, of a committee as we've seen. I really like Miles Sanders. He went one pick in front of my next pick, and I was I was all broken up about it. Um, discount I really Saquon like Miles Barkley. Sanders. Not Saquon Light. Discount Saquon Barkley. Discount Saquon Barkley. Like, he's not going to be Saquon Barkley, but I think he has a really good shot to be a very good running back, especially behind that Philadelphia offensive line, who made people like Wendell Smallwood look great. See, if... if... If the world was a little bit different, and Matt uh, John will get the laugh at this, I was like blue light special Miles Sanders, but that really makes me sound old. So I have no idea how to live. Discount sick Miles Sanders. Discount sick Juan Barkley. Okay. <laughs> On where you feel about Miles Sanders? I liked him. You know, he had a hundred one hundred four speed score. He ran a four four nine at two eleven. I thought the landing spot was decent, and so I think that for. His ADP, uh, he was at five. He got picked at eight. So, to me, that's a solid pick. I was really surprised by the fact they they picked up Howard in the offseason and then they went out and got Sanders. I was a little bit surprised by that. And I think Sanders is way better than Howard. I've never been that big of a fan of Howard. I think he was a product of the offense. Okay, I see. I've never been a huge Howard fan. I just know he had decent performance. I was just surprised they went and picked him up. But I think they really struggled with uh, running back depth last year, especially when um, (laughs) – And see, it's from losing my mind when they, they, yeah, they, so yeah, they obviously felt the need to invest in running back depth mm-hmm. as opposed to wide receiver depth, which I think well, they yeah. made, but. I mean, Shaiyi underperformed and then he got injured and then they were bouncing with uh, an undrafted free agent and uh, Josh Adams Dame, and then yeah. Corey Clement and Wendell Smallwood and none of these names inspire very much hope. No, 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 not a lot of guys you, anybody's thinking highly of or performed highly last year. I think yeah. Adams had a decent game at one point, but I, that that was it. Yeah. So, all right. Speaking of Philly needing wide receivers, Matt with his next pick, yes. which is nine, got JJ Arcega Whiteside, and that's for the Eagles. So, Matt, what? what made you jump on JJ Whiteside? An absolute reach. I I wouldn't deny that for a second. 
but he's my guy. I, I, I had a, a pick early in the early in the second round, which which honestly he probably would have fallen to. But if I'm 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 gonna gonna let you guys in on a secret here. Uh oh. I like our Sega White side so much that I was thinking about him with the third pick overall, the pick I used to get Josh Jacobs. I ended up talking myself out of this one, but came to my second pick in the first round, and I couldn't pass on him anymore. I absolutely love him. I love his tape. I love his his uh, analytics. I love everything about him. I, I love who he is as a person. He's a really nice, intelligent guy. He's my guy, man. I think J.J. Arcega-Whiteside isn't likely to do much this year just because there's so many receivers in front of him. But heading into the future, I absolutely love him. I think second, third year, he's going to be great for Philly. He's going to be a touchdown machine, and our league uh, rates touchdowns a lot more highly. I think he's going to be awesome. I'm in love with him. Okay, I, I have a concern question. Are you up late night watching Pac-10 football? <laughs> Is that oh, going on no. here? Are you up late at night under, you know, delusions uh, of lack of sleep watching Pac-10 football and getting giddy uh, about J.J. Arcega-Whiteside? I'm just getting giddy about J.J. Arcega-Whiteside. I think okay. he's good. I think his tape's amazing. I think he... he is is has amazing hands. I think he runs way better routes than anybody gives him credit for. The way he boxes people out in in the red zone, it's like what what the top players in the league do. It's big awesome. Body guy. He's a big wide receiver who mm-hmm. runs power routes. Yes, it's awesome. And and especially in our league that rewards touchdowns so much. I'm a big fan. I think he's going to be legit. I think everyone is going to be looking back. Everyone who plays dynasty football is going to be looking back. On their rookie drafts, wondering how J.J. Arcega Whiteside <laughs> fell so far. It's a hill that I'm going to die on, man. For for another opinion, Matt, John, what do you think of Arcega Whiteside? You know, I like everything about him uh, except for his age. And he's got a 107 speed score. He ran a 454 at 225, 62. Uh-huh. And as Matt said, uh, he seems to run great routes. I, I thought he was a good value. Matt reached nine spots from ADP yeah. to where he drafted him. So, as he said, it's a little bit of a reach. He believes second, in him. Second round pick, he believes in him. So, hey, you know, you get it. My only concern is his age. And we've done some analysis of age, position, success rates. And he's got a 50% bust rate as yeah. a wide receiver at age 23. So that's my concern with him. I don't think it's a bad pick. Matt obviously loves him. He could easily turn out to be a great receiver. I just think that the only thing that I have against him really is he's 23 years old. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which is fair. He might bust. I wouldn't be surprised at all if he does, but I just think he's going to be good, man. I think he's the second best receiver in this class. I, I don't think he's going to bust, but I don't think he's going to be dynamic. I think he's just going to be a nice, big receiver who has reasonable numbers. I, I don't think he's going to ever jump into that upper echelon of a wide receiver. Sorry, oh, Matt. Hey, well, you know, you're probably right. It's okay. <laughs> no, but, but that's still – I mean, I, taking him in the first round is a bit of a reach, but I do think he's going to be a, a nice, functional guy in your team that, that you'll probably want to keep and start frequently because mm-hmm. he's depth and he's going to be consistent. Yeah. Now, I, I think that unfortunately might be consistently 50 yards a game and, and, you know, four to seven touchdowns a year but or eight, but you never know. I mean, hey, he could if produce he's, more than that. I mean, that's I an 800-yard like, season, and, and 
you know, six touchdowns, and he may bump up to a thousand yard receiver and eight touchdowns. He has a physical body to be a guy in the red zone, like you said, and that's mm-hmm. important, especially in our league because touchdowns are so much more important. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah, they definitely touchdowns give you a lot of points mm-hmm. more so than yards. Our yards are definitely dialed back, but they're balanced. So, yeah, yeah. It, if you got a guy that's yeah. and he reminds me a lot of um, as I'm again Mike Evans. Yeah, he, he, he reminds, me, Mike he reminds me a lot of Mike Evans. Same. Yeah. Which I'm happy with Mike Evans. I, yeah, yeah. So you, yes, you should be. So that's a good thing. Yeah, six two versus six five, though. That's that's yeah. a big difference. Yeah, yeah. He plays Mike Evans' game, but he's not physically the size of Mike Evans. That's a good, six three. Good, yeah. Is it six? Well, we've got him at six two. So we're going to go with our official statistics. All right. <laughs> From our official statistician. All right. So moving on to the tenth pick, we have the Bulldogs taking. Wide receiver for the Seahawks, DK Metcalf. Yeah, I think this is going to be an interesting. It's probably not a more polarizing or differing of opinion wide receiver in this draft. So we're going to start off with the Matt, and you know, what do you think about DK Metcalf? Uh, so he's a physical freak, like an an absolute freak. Just looking at the guy, he looks like an absolute monster. He's way too fast for how big he is. Isn't and he, like, Megatron-level freak? Isn't he, like, on that Calvin Johnson level, almost? Yeah, honestly, yes. Uh, at, at, yeah. the, at the physical level, absolutely. And then you go into his, his college tape. He didn't produce a lot. That goes into injuries. Because when he was on the field, he actually produced really well. Uh, he ran a route tree really similar to Calvin Johnson. I, I honestly really like DK Metcalf. I think he has a really good shot to be kind of spectacular especially the Seahawks getting him at the end of the second round he's he's an awesome player the reason I didn't get him and I think what most people should be scared of with DK Metcalf is he has just been so fragile throughout his entire career he's dealt with a bunch of different injuries and and it's not even like they're strange weird random injuries it's their soft tissue issues that keep popping up over and over again and it, it just put too many red flags on DK Metcalf for me to have him ranked all that highly, even though I like his tape and his weird, crazy physical abilities. He also gets into focus drops a lot. He'll, he'll let the ball fall out of his hands a little bit too mm-hmm. much. And it's going to be harder for him in the NFL to produce well. He's not the best against press. He's not awful. Which but is odd considering his size. Which is ability. odd considering his size, yeah. But it's just going to be so much harder for him to blow by corners like you see him doing every other play in his Ole Miss tape. Um, yeah, he, they're going to scheme for that. You're, the, I mean, yeah. the old thing is you're going to see better corners your first day at training camp in the NFL than you ever saw in college. Mm-hmm. It, yeah. it, it, there were just too many red flags on DK Metcalf for me to fall in love with him. I, he's a physical freak, but I kind of think that has put too much wear and tear on his tendons, and his muscles are literally tearing himself apart. And I don't think it's going to stop anytime soon. Uh, we're two weeks into preseason, and he's already... Uh, he's going to have a minor knee operation. surgery, yeah. Yeah. I, I agree with you on that. I kind of think there's a level. There's some players that are they're almost over-physically developed, uh-huh. and, and there's players I, I consider like they, they get injured way too easily. I always thought of Sean Lee at the Dallas Cowboys, that he was a linebacker yeah. with 235 to 240, and I thought... He looks like he's carrying too much muscle on his frame, and it's putting too much stress on his joints mm-hmm. and his I hamstrings can, and other stuff. 
I, I kind of think Calvin Johnson might have struggled with that too some, because he was such a beast, but he was always dealing with those nagging injuries every single year. Yeah. You just wonder how much the working out and the level of physical ability just taxes your body. Mm-hmm. You know, how much of it, how much of the physical ability is just how much training you put into it that you've almost developed past your healthy point of athleticism. Yeah. With his 1.6% body fat or whatever it was. He, yeah, it's something insane. Well, John, <laughs> what do you think about that? Huh? Yeah, well, he didn't have a 1.6 percent body fat. That was that was yeah. Fake. It was mostly misreported. Yeah, yeah. Still uh, a wild know, stat. <laughs> DK Metcalf. Yes. To get picked with the tenth pick, his ADP was six. So you know that's that's a pretty good pick there. He had a 134 speed score. You know, <laughs> ran a ran insane. a four four three three. You know, at 228. Jeez. I did. I didn't like his landing spot. I've never really been a fan of receivers at Seattle, and I know Doug Baldwin was really good for a while, but it just Tyler seems like Tyler Lockett. I mean, he's starting to look good, but I just I don't think they're a passing team, and so I think the the landing spot hurts him. I, I agree with you about the injuries. Uh, his production again, like you said, was low coming out of college. Mm-hmm. His phenom score was a minus point two. So that means he was just about average as far as uh, college production and breakout age. So in the mat, go ahead. For for me, uh, with with our other analytics about age, position, success, he's got a fifty three percent bust rate. And so for me, I wasn't going to take a chance on him. Certainly, he looks like a freak. He could easily go one way or the other. I mean. Mm-hmm. It's it's hard to predict what's going to happen to him. I I was not surprised to see that he already needs surgery on his knee. Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, it's it's minor, they say. Um, but it's still but just it's, not a good sign. It's not a good sign. Played, no, nineteen games in college or whatever it was. Yeah, two weeks and in the were, training camp. You were talking weeks. about how close he was to Calvin Johnson. So his Megatron score was a ninety-five, and Calvin Johnson is a hundred on the right. Megatron score. So he's very, very close to Calvin Johnson. The only one that even came close to him on the Megatron score, there were a couple in this draft. Miles Boykin, interestingly enough, was 94. He had a 120 speed score. And Matt, I know you picked him up later in the rounds. Big uh, we probably won't get a chance to talk about him. But at any rate, DK Metcalf, incredible specimen, 433. How can you argue with that at 228? It's it's just really his longevity, his landing spot, his lack of production coming out of college. Those were all things that made me feel like he wasn't someone I was going to take a, a pick on. Yeah, yeah, I I, I agree with you. That that lack of production in college really really turned turned me off to even thinking about him. If he'd have even fallen way far down to me at the back end of the draft, I I was just that he can stay on the field and that he got outproduced by a teammate. That I thought that that made me think he's just nowhere near that. So. Yeah, I think we're all kind of in agreement on that about Metcalf. Oh. But he could be great. He could light it up. He could be great. He could be unbelievable. He's already off to an auspicious start, which we know is not a good thing. You know, missing time. Yeah, like he, it, Well, to Matt's point, Matt said he had issues with the press, and I think that kind of indicates he has issues with playing the position and mastering the, the, the play of the position of wide receiver. He has the ability, uh-huh. but not necessarily the skill at the position. And it you need to develop that as a rookie. That's what you spend those first three, few years in the NFL developing. And he was injured so much he didn't develop it in college. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be a struggle for him because his learning curve 
every time he's hurt, his learning curve gets, you know, backed up. And there's just no other way around it. And that can really cause a guy like him to never develop into the player that he has the potential to be, but just not the uh, practice time. Kind of sad for him, but, but you know, we'll, hopefully he'll stay healthy and it'll be some a good pick for the Bulldogs at 10. All right, moving on, we're going to go to our 11th pick, and that is the Chupacabras. And they took Paris Campbell, Indianapolis Colts wide receiver. So I kind of like Paris Campbell when I saw him. I like his landing spot. I know that there's not – he's definitely playing into that wide receiver two slot. And that kind of made me a little skeptical of wanting to pick him up. But, John, what do you think about Paris Campbell? What's he look like? Well, I'm, I'm kind of split on him. 119 speed score. Yeah. Uh, four four three one at two oh five uh, six one, you know he's twenty two um, years old, so that that's that's a good thing. Uh, however, what we found in our analysis of position age related uh, success, he's got a fifty three percent bust rate as well. So eighteen uh, percent chance of being a position one, that's wide receiver one. Twenty nine percent chance of being position two, wide receiver two. So I, you know, he could be p- wide receiver one. Most likely he's going to end up being a wide receiver too, or he could easily bust. And coming out of college, uh, his production wasn't that great. He's got a 0.1 phenom score since his age was reasonable. That's mostly due to his lack of college production. At 119 speed score, he's physical specimen. And as far as the pick, uh, it was a slight reach. Uh, his ADP was 12. Um, so it, it's spot. Yeah, it's one spot. So it's it's a reasonable reasonable pick. I I liked him, but when I watched the tape of him, it was just a lot of him running past guys for touchdowns. Yeah, like, watch that's, it. I'm gonna outrun you deep, and Hassan's got a big enough arm to throw it to me, and I'm gonna score a touchdown. That's that's my issue with him. A a four three one forty is enough to make you look awesome in college. Mm-hmm. But when you really get down to it, I don't think he's that good at many other parts of the game, honestly. Like, he's not skilled or polished as a wide receiver? I, yeah, I and, and he could develop. Obviously, he has the physical skills, but I'm not that high on Paris Campbell. I think he's his four three one kind of got blown out of proportion, and he's sort of just a speed guy that I think is going to remain pretty one-dimensional in the NFL, unless you can learn yeah. a lot from T.Y. Yeah, that's another problem. Is that he's, he's playing opposite T.Y. Hilton. He's definitely uh-huh. going to not see the number of balls he'd like to see him see. And with Andrew Luck's you know, shoulder issues he's had... <laughs> You got to wonder if they're ever going to have him throw the ball five or six hundred times a season like they did in the past. Mm-hmm. I know last year he threw a lot, but I, I don't know that he threw that much. I definitely think Indianapolis is going to be probably going to try to find some level of or some run game to alleviate that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he, he's a guy. He's a nice guy, but we're in that point in the draft where there's not a lot of uh, the talent's already starting to thin out, and especially this year, like I said, where we felt like it was a little lighter. Mm-hmm. So. So Paris Campbell, man, we'll see what happens kind of guy at that point. All right, jumping into our 12th pick. It's the Fighting Wildebeest, and they took Noah Fant, the other tight end out of Iowa, who went to the Denver Broncos. So, Matt, what do you think about Noah Fant? Uh, he's, a, he's another one of these physical freak guys. At, at the tight end position, he's an okay blocker, and he's an okay route runner. And he's got okay hands. He dropped a lot of balls at Iowa. He's really just a crazy physical talent. If Denver's able to to develop him and to teach him how to be a full tight end and keep him on the field a lot, 
Like, he could be stellar. He, he could even be way better than TJ Hawkinson. He's got all the strength you want, the size you want, the speed you want out of the tight end position times 10. It's just whether or not he's going to be able to learn the other aspects of the game. I think he's going to be one of these tight ends that's definitely going to take a while to develop. I don't think we're going to see anything out of him for at least two years. And then later on might end up developing into one of these really good tight ends. Certainly one of the better tight end prospects I've ever seen. But he still has so much to learn to make his game fully developed. He needs to get on the jugs machine. I think his hands are one of his big, big drawbacks. Drops a lot of balls. Yeah, and when I first turned on him in the preseason, they threw a pass right to him, easy catch. He just fumbled. He just spiked mm-hmm. it. It hit him in the hands and just spiked it to the ground. It was like, wow, that was ugly. And yeah, that's kind of confirmed like, what I thought. Yeah, that, that he's. I think with tight ends this year, the two tight ends that were taken in the first round, I think there's a little bit of a George Kittle effect. They both went to the same mm-hmm. college. They both looked really good. You saw everyone saw what Kittle's done the last two years, and I think everybody's like, "Oh my God, we're gonna get the next one of him." For sure, yeah, almost for sure. John, what did he look like um, athletically? What was his what was his speed score and stuff? Well, he his speed score was one twenty one, uh, which is yeah. phenomenal. Uh, yeah. Hawkinson was one hundred four. Now, the the highest speed score I've ever seen from a tight end was Vernon Davis, and I believe it was one forty three, something of that nature. Total physical uh, freak, though. Yeah, yeah. He's got a 89 Megatron score, so he's right on up there. He's got a 1.8 Phenom. So when you're looking at two, that's one standard deviation above in production, one standard deviation below in age. So right about two is where you start thinking, okay, this guy's going to be really successful. One other interesting thing that we found in our position age-related success is Interestingly enough, from the data that we have, and this is from 2009 to 2016, we didn't go past 2016 because those tight ends haven't had a chance. The players haven't had a chance to be successful yet. Every single tight end that was picked in the first round of the NFL draft has had at least one tight end one season. So both Hawkinson and Fant were picked in the first round. So they're destined to have at least one tight end one season. So I, I think, Matt, you, you certainly hit it where it's going to take him a while. I, I don't like the fact that he's dropping balls. Uh, if I was going to pick between Hawkinson and Fant, I would have gone Hawkinson, even yeah. though Fant had a better uh, speed score. But I think he's a solid pick. And uh, I certainly think that you know getting him uh, with a 12th pick, there's nothing wrong with that. He, his yeah. ADP was 13. Yeah, so that's a solid it's the right spot for him. Yep. Yeah. I just hope he doesn't and haha drop his way out of the NFL just because he <laughs> is just I, the hands are bad. The hands just, are bad. And, yeah, he needs he say he needs to live on the jugs machine. He needs to work on softening those hands up and getting good catching balls. And yeah. I, I think that's his key to his future. But okay. a prospect overall. Yeah. Oh yeah. He he's definitely a prospect. He's definitely not gonna come in. He's got all the ability in the world. If he can get his hands underneath him, I think he could definitely put up some nice numbers and turn mm-hmm. into a nice guy. He's got all the, the physical tools. It'll just be if he can learn the position. And, you know, the blocking thing, I don't know how important that is going forward with tight ends. Tight ends are really becoming the, what, fourth or fifth or sixth wide receiver or whatever uh, you're calling them out. Big, super physical guys who just, you know, are uncoverable by two different positions. Yeah, the, the only place where I think blocking really matters for a tight end, uh, for fantasy at least, 
is it does mean that a lot of the time they're going to be on the field more. They're, they're going to be out there when they're running the play actions and when they're in the running game and when the quarterback audibles to a quick pass out of what was initially a, uh, a, yeah. a running play called. I but, agree with yeah, you Yeah, it's not that. the biggest thing in the world. I agree with you on that, but I'm saying I think the NFL is moving away from that as much. The NFL is yeah. treating it the running game. I think as long as a tight end can get in there and, like, stand in somebody's way for a <laughs> half a second, they'll be – I mean, seriously, just uh-huh. – like, could you just, like, fall in front of him? That's all you have to do. I mean, that's the – you know, it seems like that's where – when you look at the what the physical types of most of the tight ends coming out lately are, it really looks like that. Like, just, just tie a guy up, you know. And Hawkinson is kind of a bit of a throwback because he has a little more ability to, to block a little better, but mm-hmm. – I don't know how much weight the NFL is putting on that right now. So. Yeah, and I think a, a perfect example of that is the two tight ends that Baltimore drafted, uh, Hayden Hurst and Mark Andrews. Hayden Hurst yeah. was drafted very highly. Mark Andrews, you know, further on down. Now, if you looked at it today, which of those two tight ends would you rather have? I mean, I've always liked Mark Andrews. I've always <laughs> liked Mark Andrews. And, yeah. you know, I, I would want Mark Andrews. Uh, Hayden yeah. Hurst, yes, he's on the field, but he hasn't done anything. Yeah, it's yeah. not the biggest thing in the world. No, but I think that you're right, Matt. It, it certainly being on the field certainly helps. But if you're Hayden Hurst and really all you do is block, that doesn't get you much in fantasy. And there, no. there's a thing about you know that being good in the NFL but not being good in fantasy. Yeah, uh, I mean it's yeah. definitely a thing. You yeah. know, so. I think you have to take it, take that into consideration. You got to be careful that the, the tight end that's drafted high because of his blocking ability and a running offense versus the tight end that catches footballs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and they're their role on their team, you know. And some people I think get a little, oh wow, look at how high he was drafted. No, they're going to use him a lot to block, and he's going to catch a few passes for two hundred fifty yards. So, yeah. yeah, not to take away from them as a player, but just to look at it from fantasy, it's two different animals right there. Yeah. All right, so we're going to move to our 13th pick now, and this is the King Cobras. And they took, and this is a, another player I think is an interesting one to talk about, A.J. Brown, from the, who's playing for the Tennessee Titans. So Probably John, we're going to start draft, too. Yeah, we're going to start off with John on this one. John has Corey Davis, so what do you think about A.J. Brown and the Tennessee Titans having him and um, being drafted you know, 13th? I liked A.J. Brown. I don't think it hurts Corey Davis. I think it probably helps Corey Davis. The thing that's been hurting Corey Davis is his quarterback. Marcus Mariota yeah. really has not been that good. And In his he's landing so, spot. He's been so bad that Ryan Tannehill, there's talk that he might be pushing uh, Mariota out of the spot. You know, he is pushing he, Mariota out of the spot. He, he was know. brought in to be the backup because the, Tennessee never really had a good backup. And now it looks like uh, you know Mariota needs to watch out. So I like the fact that Tennessee took A.J. Brown. I don't think it hurts Corey Davis at all. A.J. Brown has a 111 speed score. That's solid. Uh, he ran a, a 449 at uh, 226, six foot one. Yeah. His, his phenom was 1.2, so that's right in that, that range. The only thing that we have about him is he's got about a 50% bust rate based on age and position. But 18% position one, 29% position two. He's probably going to be a solid contributor. Again, the landing spot, maybe not the best because we know Tennessee doesn't throw the ball as much as other places, and, and they're, they're a run-first team. Um, but I think that in general it helps both A.J. Brown and Corey Davis to get another threat in the passing game. And maybe, who knows, Tannehill may take over and their passing game may explode. 
I, when you're looking to Tannehill as your save as the yeah. savior for your passing game, you're not in a great and spot. I, I agree. Goes, I agree. I don't like Ryan Tannehill, and not necessarily for his ability, even though it's not it's as subpar might be a good description for his quarterback play. He's okay. I think it's his personality on a team. I mean, when you read about him in Miami, and I think he definitely that, and that may have just been Gase letting him run the team and him. Tannehill blackballing guys he had issues with. And I think I think Tannehill caused some disruption last year on the Dolphins team. And I would just I, – I know Vrabel is probably not going to be like Gase and let that stuff happen. But I just would be afraid to turn him the keys over to a guy who just is a bit of a – I don't know. I think a difficulty in Tannehill. I really liked A.J. Brown. I liked his production. I liked his story. I liked that the guy from all the descriptions of him just had a lot of heart really kind of a guy who wanted to go out there and play. But, you know, there's also this little hint when you read about him and look at him that that maybe his play was more heart than raw skill at a position. But I, if he'd have fallen one more spot where I was drafting at 14, I probably would have taken A.J. Brown. I was just – yeah, the landing spot made me nervous. You know, I, I know that John has Corey Davis, and he's been railing about that for a little while, that just, man, Mariota is just killing me, and that made me skeptical. If he had fallen to me and taken him, I'd have had a trouble taking him. But Well, I mean, at the end of the first round in a 14-team league, I mean, a guy with A.J. Brown's talent is worth taking a chance on regardless of landing spot, I think. I got scared off by landing spot, too. Before the NFL draft, he was higher than Arcega Whiteside for me. But mm-hmm. I just hated the landing spot so much that it, it pushed him down my board. He's a really talented guy. Physically, he's kind of like a running back playing wide receiver. Yeah. He's, he's got the same like size and speed as your upper-end running backs. And when you watch him play, too, he'll run over defensive backs. He's got a killer spin move. He'll juke people out. He, he breaks tackles all the time. He's great after the catch. He's a really solid route runner. I think he was kind of the clear second-best wide receiver in this class coming into the NFL draft, but then just getting drafted by Tennessee. Until they have some big change there, I don't know that they're going to have the volume to produce any really big guy. And I still really like Corey Davis more than A.J. Brown. And I definitely don't think that offense is going to put up two really talented wide receivers. So it kind of just scared me off of him, despite all the other really good things about him that that are definitely there. Yeah, you know, you know what's interesting is they did lose their offensive coordinator to the Packers, and everybody was really high on how young he was and how good he was. But that was not a dynamic offense last year. Not so, really. Yeah, and and we're already seeing that um, the running back is having some injury issues. Yeah, Derrick Henry's in a walking boot. Yeah, so you know, it may that team may start throwing the ball a lot more. They may just have to. So they, they absolutely could. And AJ Brown, AJ Brown, like Corey Davis, I'd say, is wicked talented in a lot of different ways. I think AJ Brown can. It, you see it in college. He lined up a lot in the slot and on the outside. He can play anywhere you want him to. He's great with the ball in his hands. Good hands. Maybe the best route runner in the draft. I see skilled at his position. He, he, that's important yeah. in the NFL because he starts from a much higher. His, he, his learning curve is a lot different. He should jump in and perform pretty well right away mm-hmm. if, if, if the balls are there. If the quarterback and the balls are there to get it to him, that's the thing that's the problem right there. Mm-hmm. And if you look at uh, just from a purely ADP point of view, to get him as a 13th pick when he's, oh, yeah. his ADP is eight. It's an absolute uh, steal. <laughs> Third-ranked third receiver by ADP in the draft. So, yeah, that's that a great pick at, at 13. Mm-hmm. To, to quote the the drafter, my number four at 
my number four pick at 13. That'll work. Yeah. So they yeah, had him he, ranked he as their fourth loved. overall player, and they got him at 13. He was very – I think they even had him as his number one wide receiver. So, yeah. I, I which is have, fair. He's super talented. I, I disagree with number four overall. But, hey, Kurt yeah. has won the league uh, one time. I have not. So He's also been <laughs> in the title game like twice after yeah. that, right? He's been in the title game like three times and won the league three once. Times. And that's that, won the regular season twice. He, he must know. Uh, he's he does he gets guys that I have bypassed that turn into players, and I'm like, wow, that you did a pretty good. And I, I don't. I've had talks to him. I don't know how much time he puts into work. I don't know where he's getting his information at, but he is getting good information. He is doing good analysis, and he's coming. Yeah. I'm seriously having long conversations with him. I'm like, how are you? I don't ask him how he's doing it, but it's I'm more and more looking into. It. I'm like, how are you doing this? I'm very curious because he's. <laughs> We're going to have to get him on the pod and, and kind of get him to spill his secrets. Get him to <laughs> reveal himself, lift up his skirt, and tell us all about what's going on. And yeah. thus, the true purpose of this podcast comes into light. That's right. <laughs> we're, we're going to compliment King Cobra and flatter him into wanting to give away all his dirty little secrets. Exactly. <laughs> That's the whole point of the podcast. <laughs> exactly. All right. Well, we're going to go into the last pick of the first round now, and that is my pick since I somehow won the league last year. I don't know how that happened. And uh, I picked, and I needed wide receivers on my team, and I picked Andy Isabella. Mm -hmm. So I will start off. I liked his production in college. I liked how many he, he performed, and I think that's really important. I think college production performing in college is really important going forward because I think it shows your skill to your position and it shows you can play the position. And it really, I like that. He's a little bit on the physically smaller side, but he's got, he runs really well. He's fast, runs great routes and he's got good hands. And I, I, I really, I mean, there were smaller guys. I looked at other guys like him and I was like, well, you know, he's not that small. He's just not, you know, I would prefer if he was six one and playing the slot or something, but He's probably more prototypical slot receiver size. And um, he was going to Arizona, which we all were really giddy about about three weeks ago. But now we're a little more um, a little more muted on. I don't know, you know, we'll see how that air raid turns out. And I, I never was pass. super high. Yeah, yeah, it's one game. I, I was never high on Kyler Murray. And I think that was part of my Arizona little bit of leeriness. But um, I really liked him. I liked him before the draft. He was Same. the guy I wanted at 14. Same. So. I, I really like Andy Isabella. Uh, his his tape is absolutely phenomenal, and he, despite his size, he wasn't just a slot guy at a uh, UMass. He actually ran on the outside a lot and was really really good at it. And I think he can do the same thing in the NFL. Honestly, landing spots a bit of a concern just because at this point there's so many mouths to feed in so many Arizona. Now. Yeah. yeah. So I don't know. I it kind of depends on how good that offense is going to be, but. I really like Andy Isabella. I mean, right after you drafted him, I, I was offering a trade to you to try and get him. Is we're going to I... talk about that shortly because I think that's yeah. something I want. I want to revisit that and have a conversation with you about about our the trade attempt and Andy Isabella. Yeah, well, let's talk mean. about it now. It's about well, Andy Isabella. We'll we'll get to that in a second. But okay. um, what does John think about Andy Isabella? I like him. You know, looking at his stats, he ran a four three one. He's only five nine, but he's and he's 188 pounds, but he still comes in with a 103 speed score. So that's solid for me. And his phenom score is 2.0. And that comes from his production. Uh, he's, he's a little bit older. He's 23. So mm -hmm. he had a 52% dominator rating. Dominator rating is college production in yards and touchdowns. 
So he was scoring 52% of the yardage and the touchdowns at UMass. Now, he UMass is UMass his whole offense. UMass is a smaller school, so you got to take that into consideration a little bit, but I liked him quite a bit. My my only thing there for you Marty was you passed over some other guys that I might have taken before him, like Amico Hardman, for example. I might have oh, taken. Yeah. I don't like Hardman at all. Well, yeah, we had uh, some conversations about that. Yeah, we had conversations. I I like him. He doesn't quite have some of the other characteristics. He's younger. Hardman's younger. But yeah. we won't really talk about Hardman because I think we've taken so much time on the first round. We can't even yes. get anybody else. Uh, uh, we, so. we 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 could do. A quick, I mean, is there any? Before we get into the trading or talking about Isabella, me and Matt, and what's what, um, is there anybody else that came out in the draft after this that anybody really liked? Is let, there anybody me, that anybody looked at? In, in let's come each up of us, with, is there a singular player? Let's come up with Preston Williams. Now, Marty, you and I both oh. talked about him, mm-hmm. undrafted free agent. Uh, in Miami, people are talking about him as possibly being the number one receiver, which is, mm-hmm. I think is a little bit of a hype, uh, especially I'm biased since I have. Devonte Parker. You were, you were bringing him up earlier too. You had talked well, about Preston Williams. I I was going to draft him. Uh-huh. I ended up going three tight ends with my last picks, hoping to get at least one good one out of those three. But it's interesting that he went undrafted, and now he's maybe a darling in the preseason. So I think he's interesting. I also also think uh, Jared Stidham is interesting. As a, as a backup at New England. Stidham, uh, based on pr- position and age, he had a 33% quarterback one possibility. To get him late to take the flyer on a quarterback, obviously he's going to be a backup for a while, but he could turn out to be uh, the next Jimmy Garoppolo. You know, he, he was a guy I had on my radar as taken late. I, I really, I, I don't necessarily need a quarterback right now, but I wanted a third QB, QB and he was a guy I thought about getting in a developmental slot. And I just, I, other guys came up and I didn't pull the trigger on them, but uh, because I felt like I had greater need at different positions, but I, I agree with you. I like Stidham a lot. He was an enticing, very enticing. Uh, Matt, is there any particular player after the first round that you were uh, giddy about or uh-huh. liked a lot, even not even on your team anywhere? Yeah. Yeah. I really liked Justice Hill. I still really like Justice Hill. I think he is probably the third best running back tape in in this whole class. Um, in our in our draft, he didn't end up going till way late in the third. Through twelve, uh, which I yeah. thought was kind of crazy. Yeah, I he think was he's a great. steal. He he was uh, his ADP was seventeen, and he was drafted fortieth. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, I uh, I think he's great. Physically, he's awesome. He's got a an absolutely amazing cut. Uh, he'll burn by people. His acceleration's awesome. Yeah, I, I really liked Justice Hill. He was kind of my guy coming into it. I wasn't really worried about the smaller size. Uh, and I actually really liked Baltimore as the landing spot. Yeah, I, I, I really liked Justice Hill. I was surprised how, how long it took for him to go. 110 speed score, 4440. Mm-hmm. Fastest uh, running back in five, this draft. 5'10", 206, yeah. 9.5 inch hands, solid. Well, I guess I will go with my wild card. I, I drafted him myself, but he's the guy I'm most intrigued by, which is Bryce Love. Yeah, I really liked that pick, especially for you being a Darius Geis owner. He, he could be an absolute hidden gem. I mean, it, if you guys paid any attention to it, prior to basically him tearing his ACL, he yeah. was the expected consensus number one dynasty pick. Oh, yeah. Like, number one overall. So yeah. I think he might be great value where you got him at the end of the third round. 
Yeah, if he comes back healthy, I, I think I, we, me and me and John had talked about that. I was trying to figure out a guy to go, and I said, you know what? I have guys. I think I believe in guys. I really like Darius guys, and I think if guys comes back healthy, I, I think he's supposed to actually have get some contact and actually maybe play this Thursday night. I really like guys. I think I mean he looked phenomenal just in what his two carries before he hurt himself last year, <laughs> um, right? Had, which is a little bit scary. Um, <laughs> But it was kind of a freak. He didn't injure himself in a cut or something. It was to tackle. Yeah. And I'm, I'm much more comfortable with that because if he, you know, I, I had Calvin Benjamin and he hurt his knee jumping up and landing. And mm-hmm. whenever I see that, that just makes me just cringe because, I mean, this is a this is an injury that occurred without contact because your body failed. Yeah. Versus... Which, 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 granted, is kind of common, at least for specifically an ACL. Yeah. It'll happen a lot because it's just the way you're – ACL that goes into the DK Metcalf. How overtrained is someone that his body is fragile enough that the minute he jumps and lands somewhat yeah. awkwardly, you're going to blow something out? I mean, that just makes you think, well, good, the rest of his career, i got to worry about that every. But mm. fortunately, guys, this is a tackle. It was awkward as he got twisted underneath him. And, and optimistically, I think he comes back. And if he can resume at that ability, I think Bryce Love's great. And then maybe Bryce Love comes back after a year and takes it from guys. I don't know. I, I think I think it's certainly possible, but just getting him at the end of the third round, a guy that talent-wise was kind of expected to be one of the top names in this draft yeah. class. I think I think it's awesome. I like him at his ADP even, which is into the second round in a fourteen-team yeah. league. Yeah. And I'm just gonna sit him. I've got enough depth on my team, and we're in dynasty, and he's gonna develop for me. I'm hoping mm-hmm. he gets healthy. And he plays, and that's that's where I'm at with that position. Yeah. So, I, Marty, I think you had a really good draft, and and I'll throw Jalen Hurd in there as well. Even though he doesn't have the analytics that some of these other guys do, we've already seen him uh, be He's very performing in the preseason. Preseason. So they're talking about uh, him being a starting receiver there, and and yeah. literally he was a running back who transferred to wide receiver. Which you know yeah. when we talked about that earlier, I thought about that. So I I looked at several guys. I wanted to bump up my wide receivers, and he definitely did it for me. Yeah, and p- based on position, uh, age, success rate, he's got a 33% chance of being a running back one. I'm very happy with my draft this year. The only guy I think was the biggest, you know, just gamble for me was Darius Slayton in, at four, in the fourth, fourth round. At yeah, but who cares yeah. about the fourth round being a gamble? They're all gambles. Exactly. Uh, they're just guys. And you just, you, you're hoping at that point to just, and that's why I want to draft receivers late is there's so many of them out there and they do have a success rate, even though it's very low. So the more, Shots you take late with wide receivers, you just you get a chance of catching one of those fifteen percent success rate guys, mm-hmm. and I think that's why wide receivers later are just a way to go. Well, I think we've pretty much run through our draft nicely. I don't think there's anyone else. You know, we talked about McCole Hardman being kind of interesting. I know John was high Marquise on him. Marquise Brown as well as one who a lot of people really really like, but went kind of so late. Tiny, man. He's so He's tiny, man. He's so tiny. I agree. He's a physical freak, but I, I just, I mean, I don't know how that's going to translate to the NFL long term. There's other guys I liked, you know, just guys I looked at that were interesting. But yeah, Miles Boykin, that's another guy I wasn't quite enthused about. I, I, I know love you got Miles him. Boykin. I'm a big fan. Yeah. I, I was able to draft him. I, I'm absolutely ecstatic that I was able to get Miles Boykin. Part of that with me and him is landing spot, though. I'm not a big Lamar Jackson fan. I like Lamar yeah, Jackson, sense. but I just don't. His last year just, eh, you know, that's we'll fair. see. We will see. I just like Miles Boykin the talent enough. I ended up. I, I went into this draft not not liking the uh, the Baltimore Ravens passing attack at all, and I ended up with both Marquise Brown and Miles Boykin. Um, <laughs> so I might have, might have uh, backed myself into a corner there. But 
I just thought their talent where they were because I got them uh, one in the middle and one at the the later end of the second round. I just thought that their talent is too good for me to go with any of these other guys who might have a better situation. Maybe Baltimore figures out how to throw the football and one of them ends up as a fantasy relevant wide receiver. That was my thinking. Yeah. Well, that's, yeah. I mean, that's not, that's, that's again, second round guys. And that's a good option to think about that way. Marquise Brown, 36% chance of wide receiver one, uh, miles Boykin, 33% chance of wide receiver one. That's a good, that's, I mean, that's, a, those are good odds for you. Yeah. Well, yeah. all right. We're finished up the draft now. Um, that segment, that, that, Part of our podcast was brought to you by the Bulldog Steakhouse. For old school cooking and steak, there is no better place than the Bulldog Steakhouse. Yeah, so now we're I've gonna been head there. Into, old cook, I've been there many, many times. Uh, the service is exceptional. Uh, the service you know, is exceptional. Yeah, the service is exceptional at the Bulldog Steakhouse. The steaks are also exceptional, of course. It goes without saying. You know, I get those shipped. To me, uh, FedEx from and, Maine. It, yes. Yeah. And it's it's Which well not worth, a place you think of steaks, but there is a hidden gem in Maine. Not at all, but it's well worth yeah. the price. So I, oh I yeah, highly recommend them. And there is a price to pay when dealing with Bulldog Steakhouse. There is. Yes. So we're going to go into our next portion of our podcast. We're going to discuss trades and making trades because several, specifically with Matt, he's had several interesting trades that have become immediate topics of discussion Woo-hoo. and really we're going to discuss trades in general and we're going to discuss specifically with matt his approach to trades and just just how trades work because that more in a general sense of how do you approach people because matt is very active in the trade much more active than i am so i guess let's start with i'll start with you we'll continue what we started earlier matt is andy isabella mm-hmm. you liked him i had him and we talked about trading as soon as you picked him, too, because he was a guy I really liked, like, really, yeah. really liked. He was going to be an instant pick for me with my next pick. And you drafted him, and most of the time, after somebody drafts a player, it's incredibly hard to get it from him. And and that was true here, but I figured I'd ask, because I really liked Andy Isabella, and I wanted him. I think for him, you were wanting... Uh, Four second-round picks in this yes, draft? Yes, entire second round, yes. Uh-huh, which my entire second round, it was four second-round picks. Yes. I wasn't willing to do that. I didn't I didn't think Andy Isabella was worth four shots. That's, so that's understandable. I, I, don't think that. you, I don't think you rejecting me was wrong. I wanted to, from my perspective, and I think we talked about this, uh-huh. is you didn't have a player you were wanting to trade off your roster that I would have taken for him. Andy Isabella is, we don't know what he's going to be yet, so that's a gamble. Mm-hmm. But I wanted to be excited about what I was getting back. If I was going to give up somebody I really liked, because I really liked Isabella before the draft, mm-hmm. I wanted to get something like four picks where I can go, okay, I'm going to take four shots. And then I'm going to yeah. get four guys, and I'm going to be excited about my yeah. potential with that many players. Uh, which which, which is fair. And I mean, hey, he was your guy, so take him, rock with yeah. him. But four picks is way too much, in my opinion, to give up. I agree with you. One, it was one, steep. one shot, too, because it wasn't proven at all. Yeah, it was a steep ask, but I thought, you know, there's potential Matt goes for that. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, I think really when you say four second-round picks, you're just saying, I'm not interested. I mean, <laughs> I, think, I think that's really he, what it is. He didn't have anything he was offering me, and I didn't want, like, a second-round pick and a guy, and I'm not talking about a premium guy. I thought I think Isabella may turn into a premium player, uh-huh. and, I did, and I did not – I did not want to take, you know, just some 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 parts 
and and hope that that turns into something. It just uh, I, I wanted to be rewarded for what I thought was going to be a premium player. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, considering Matt contacted me immediately after the pick, I thought, OK, there's enough energy there. I might have <laughs> taken three. If Matt had come back and said, how about three? I, I think I could have gotten interested. Two is too little, especially, yeah. you know. I don't even know that I would have been willing to do two straight up. Maybe two of my later ones I probably would have done. See, and that's, I mean, that's way too less. I, I would if, have you look at, uh, if you look at the players that Matt got with those picks. They're I mean, nice. I'm happy about it. But neither of those are yeah. guys I believe in. I, I, yeah. I definitely feel as happy getting Jalen Hurd in the second round as anybody that went ahead of him. Yeah. You know, Miko Hardman's kind of interesting, but I, there's not a lot of the wide receiver talent out there that I'm giddy about. It's not like I'm like, ooh, I really wanted that guy. None of the guys were, you know... I looked at guys in that second round, and none of them got me excited, except, you know, and even Jalen Hurd at the time I was not super excited about. You know, maybe Hakeem Butler was kind of interesting, but again, we talked about, I didn't want to have two Arizona guys. I thought that's, there's just a lot of guys there, so. Though one of those picks did yeah. end up getting me I mean, in We a... tried, we talked about it, but I, I definitely know I asked a lot of you. I do really like Andy Isabella. I did not want to just trade him for nothing, and I didn't. I didn't really see a lot in the later rounds that I was excited about or any of the players. So you know, I was going to ask Matt a lot, and you know, it was probably too much, and I probably would have dropped down to three. But like Matt said, I think he would only he would have offered me two, and I think that was way too little. So okay so we're going to move on into some more trade discussion john is there a particular trade or discussion point you want to jump into right now well i am looking at the trade list and all i see are desperados hey yes i really enjoy trading it might be my favorite aspect of yeah specifically dynasty football we're gonna start fun to me we're gonna start calling you uh the new blimps i think because uh some of your some of your offers, I I don't know how you got away with some of these. So we'll we'll have to talk about that. Yeah, but, um, I don't either. Marty, Marty, do you want to go through the the trades? Or you want me to go through them? Um, I can go through them really quick. Or at least we'll start with the 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 first trade of this year. He he made a trade with a new member of our league, the Horseman, yes. and Matt gave the Horseman Emmanuel Sanders, Mohamed Sanu, and his first round pick from next year. Yes. The horseman gave up Stefan Diggs. How did you do this? Well, wait um, a second. First, first off, let's talk about if we if we feel as if this is a a trade that that either one of us would have accepted. I would not have accepted it. I would not have accepted it either. Yeah. And I I, I, I believe that this was a very lopsided trade, uh, not even close to being fair, and. This is- yeah, certainly Horseman uh, gets two receivers. He listened to our podcast. He thanked me for the podcast, so I know that he listened. And he heard us say he needed receiver help, and I think Matt was able to kind of take advantage of that. A Horseman hasn't been in the league before, not in a dynasty league, and I believe he doesn't have much fantasy football experience anyway. But in dynasty, the older players – they're just not worth what you think they're worth. They're not worth what they are in redraft. And they're, long, they're long-term. They're just not there long-term. Yeah. Yeah. Stefan Diggs, he's easily top 10, top 10 talent. Maybe even higher than that. Oh, you think so? Oh, yeah. And, and young, too. And young. 25. And just yeah. coming into his period where he is going to be dominant for a three- to five-year window. Yeah, and these yeah. other guys, I've never been a huge Mohamed Sanu fan. He, he's 
I guess, solid as a wide receiver too until Calvin Ridley came in. Uh, Emmanuel Sanders just tore his Achilles. Well, his older. a year ago. Well, once you, your, once you tear your yeah, Achilles, it's more than 32. It's, it's hard to come back from that. Once you tear your Achilles, back. you've torn your Achilles. I mean, that's yeah. a period. Yeah, he, he could be 25, and when he's 30, I'll say he tore his Achilles a few years ago. Uh-huh. Yeah. And he yeah. came back nicely, but he's never. you're never the same guy. So yeah, Steve Smith was the same guy for that one season, but he's in uh, LA. Yeah, he, he was not the same guy. He was really nice, but he was not Steve Smith. Yeah, <laughs> I, I had him on my team, so I'm very familiar with what Steve Smith did, and I don't think he was the same. So Marty and I agree we would not have taken the trade. So Matt, let's hear how you approach this. Okay, so this is probably the one of all these trades that has the most thought on it on my end coming through. Wow. Because I was looking at it, and we were going through the draft, and Horseman, our our new owner, at every single draft pick, uh, outside of the first one where he took uh, TJ Hawkinson, at every single draft pick, he was taking older players. Um, yeah. He, he wasn't going up for the rookies. He was going for the older players that have a little bit of potential this year. Established older players. Yeah, the, the established older players... So I looked at his roster. I saw that he has aging quarterbacks and is really thin just about everywhere. So I thought he might be interested in the two older players that I had just gotten in. Uh, well, not just gotten, but Mohamed's knew I had had for a while, and I had just gotten Emmanuel Sanders. In a weird trade. I want to discuss that trade. Too. In a weird trade. But I had just gotten Emmanuel Sanders, so I decided uh, I'd see how interested he was in the older players and threw in the first-round draft pick, offering for Stefan Diggs. Now, I didn't expect there was a world where he would be willing to give me Stefan Diggs at all. I was really throwing out these players and this idea to, to start a conversation. A, string, a, a, a conversation with this guy, because the guy who I was really targeting, and I wouldn't have been able, willing to give up a uh, first-round pick for him, but the guy I was really targeting was actually Sammy Watkins. Young, yeah. this was in the midst of all of the uh, the Tyreek Hill stuff, so I thought I might be able to get him, who would have an, an explosive year this year. But I offered my first trade, which was essentially my dream trade, and the the owner said yes, shockingly enough. I, I just saw him interested and willing to go out and get the older players, uh, so I thought I'd offer him two older players that will probably start on his roster, on uh, a first-round pick to develop, to kind of make his team his own. A uh, late first-round pick, considering he went for it. Like, likely a late first-round pick, especially yeah. now. Maybe even the 14th pick. Hey, so, hey let's go. I'm, I'm reading here is that <laughs> Matt He preyed saw, on a weak-minded, addled individual. Yeah, Matt, Matt saw, saw that. He's just, he just thought he was in win-now mode. Well, no. I, I, I think what it is is that Matt saw an inexperienced owner who— Dynasty well, owner that that really probably didn't draft that well, yeah. and it, when you're drafting, the one I remember was Chris Moore, yeah, uh, and some others. Those that, are not that one was that one was not good. After that, it got worse. But Chris, those Moore, are not picks that you want to make in a, a dynasty rookie draft. And so Matt sees this guy, and he's like, "Okay, I got myself a mark," and he offers him these two guys for Stefan Diggs. Uh, throws in the first round. Okay, that's fine. But Matt, you, you totally placed him. I'm I'm sorry to say. 
Yeah, I you know I honestly okay so I looked re looked at this trade today and Emmanuel Sanders I consider first when we're going to go back to your trade with uh, fireballs for Emmanuel Sanders I consider him way on the end of his career that guy is a, he's a nice player I've liked him before but he is definitely on the far backside of his he is definitely in the winter of his you know career Momsen is <laughs> a little younger than I thought he was which is kind of scary that I thought he was 32 also, and he's still 29, because my perception of him is on his way out also. Yeah. The projections on Sanders and Sanu make this, I mean, they project both of them to be around 900 yards guys, and they project, yeah. now, projections are crap. I'm going to say yeah. that. We know how wrong they can be. Yeah. yeah. Stephon Diggs is only projected for 1,000 yards. So, you know. Yes, but I, that's I in the draft. It. That's, that's right. a draft trade. We're talking dynasty trade. Dynasty. Right? Yeah, I... You this this trade was not as predatory as you guys seem to think it was. I wasn't like, oh, I'm gonna I'm gonna get the new guy. No, no, no. But you you definitely went out, saw what he did. You did a lot of good analysis to identify that he is looking at older players and yeah. to make this trade. You did well, from your description of your thought process. It's mm-hmm. very impressive. I'm 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 pretty impressed by what you did. Yeah, n- normally it's so hard. To, to trade away older players, because in Dynasty, often to a fault, I'd say, we look at an older player, someone who's up there in age, and just immediately write their value away, all the way down at zero. Well, it's like having a, it's like having a big contract for an NFL team. He's older, they're, you're, gonna, you're trading for maybe a year or two of mm-hmm. maybe good performance, and you better yeah. be hoping you get good performance, because you're trading to try to win the league, or at least, I mean, finish really high. Mm-hmm, and yeah. if you don't get that, you've traded away something of value, and you know you better you better get the results back. And that's why older players are dangerous. For and, and the problem like, is that that Horseman yeah. is not anywhere close to winning the league. He, no. that's, that's that's really where the issue comes in because yeah, he's, he's just got a much weaker team. He needs to be in rebuild mode, and and he's acting like he's in win now mode. Yeah. yeah. He's turning his team around for one reasonable year, and then he's going to be in trouble if he doesn't get if he doesn't see how the draft plays out in the future. Sorry, yeah. sorry, sorry, Horseman, but but <laughs> this is all informative for you. I mean, it's going to be nice that he's going to get an extra first round pick, and you uh-huh. never know. And Max, I mean, if, Max, if I do poorly, and next year's draft is as spectacular as a lot of people are expecting it to be, then we might look back as this yeah, uh, on this yeah. trade. Completely opposite, but I'm really happy to have Stephon Diggs. I've loved only, him for a long time. The only thing that's going to screw him out is if he wins the league next year and then he gets Chupacabra. And we know that's a thing that happens where yeah. you win the league and Chupacabra is in the first round who hasn't been good all year or been reasonable. He's made the playoffs, blows you out. <laughs> and you're like, then you turn around, you're like, what just happened? And yeah, you so, got Chupacabra. Yeah, so there's a possibility that Matt gets really good this year and then gets Chupacabra in the first round, and that draft pick is really nice for the horseman, and that'll be good for him. So it's yeah. it's it's completely possible. I'm really happy to have Stefan Diggs, though. I've liked him for a really long time. Well, uh, I actually mad? tried to trade for him a long time ago, but uh, the previous owner of that team was very hard to trade with. Non-responsive. <laughs> very very non-responsive. Yeah. 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 Um, so you got you got a new owner who was responsive for your price, which is next to yeah. very very little. Yeah, uh, I'm excited. Okay, and you wanted to talk about how I got Emmanuel Sanders. Okay, it, okay, I guess more of my question is why did you get Emmanuel Sanders? And I feel like you played a pretty steep price for him. Uh, okay, so I gave up the 12th pick in uh in the second round. Right. Um, 26th overall. 
for Emmanuel Sanders. Yeah. My thinking there was, of all of the players remaining, I didn't really think that any of them were that really likely to be great. There was a steep drop-off for me after the pick I had made previously, and I wasn't in love with any of the players here. Uh, I, I was thinking long and hard about Justice Hill and Bo- a- Andrew Locke, who ended up going there, but I didn't love them that much. You could have had Bryce Love. I could have had Bryce Love, but even him, I don't love that much because he's in a, a muddied running back situation. So do you love Emmanuel Sanders that much? A guy do I love Emmanuel Sanders? No, I don't love a player that's 32 years old coming off of an Achilles injury. But I also think... quarterback flux going on. Yeah, 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 yeah. All the above, obviously Emmanuel Sanders has a ton of questions, but he's a guy who we have seen do it before and do it at a pretty high... Well, at a pretty high level and at a pretty high consistency... With all manner of quarterbacks. Also, all the news coming out, coming from, like, like Emmanuel Sanders seems to be doing really, really well. So I thought I'd get him there, hoping that this year he puts up 900 yards and six touchdowns. He's my wide receiver three. He helps push me into the playoffs, wins me a few games, something like that. I thought it was it was a good thing to do with that late of a pick. I think your diabolical mind was already working on the horseman trade, and you you were looking, you were looking for some aging veterans, which only happened could, two days later. That you could turn right, around. You, know, yeah. you were already You're... working in the subconscious evil reaches of the desperado mind. That's why desperado he's a villain. Desperado is a villain. Matt, you are the villain of the league now. I'm I'm okay with that. I Bob want to be the villain because and... I kept winning and people would hate me. You're just the villain because you're evil. He no, uh, and a Rob stagecoaches. Right? Yes, he's got a little. He, well, that's his, he's got with the skull with the uh, the bandana on, so he's good to go. Yeah, wow. Yeah. Uh, honestly, it wasn't even in the back of my mind when I traded for Emmanuel Sanders. I was thinking of him as a future trade piece anyway. Oh, same deal right, as when I got, right. Same same deal as when I got Mohamed Sanu, but that's kind of just how I approach fantasy football. I think almost all the time, because of the different ways that people evaluate players, I think almost all the time there is a trade out there that is going to make both of our teams better, at least in our minds. Particularly is always making your team better. I don't think you're helping your opponent much. I mean, but if my opponent didn't think it was helping their team, then they wouldn't make the trade. So I'm, I'm always trying to do that anyway. You're behind the soft tissue of your opponent's mind and attacking it. Yes, yes. As predatory as uh, as is imaginable. I I actually sit in a... Uh, I spend most of my time in a dark room with a cowl over my head. Um, <laughs> I assume you were up late at night. Drumming my fingers together. I assume you were up late at night, drumming your fingers together, twirling your mustache, watching uh, Pac-10 football and thinking... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Here and... uh, side! Yeah. <laughs> Just giddily going, and I got to trade with him already. Then... <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, but I am, I am constantly thinking about trades. I've made a ridiculous number of trades this year already. I've made like five before the season, and I've been the only one doing it. And you don't give time to gel or develop. You're just like moving, man, moving. Well, it. I think this is an issue that a lot of fantasy football players run into, especially in Dynasty. We fall in love with our players 
way too much. And, and there's an easy explanation for why it happens. Uh, there is so much fantasy football information on the internet and on TV and everywhere that no matter who you have on your team, with basically anyone, you can find an article or, or a, a set of rankings or something that is going to say that your player is the next breakout or is the next big thing or whatever. And it is so common in fantasy football that we get all of this confirmation bias with every single player on our team. And I try to avoid that as much as possible. I, I don't want to sit here on my players going, Oh, I got, I got the next breakout. I'm just going to keep trying to make trades for players that I think have more value as often as I can. I would like to think of no one on my team as untradeable. Because as soon as you're not making trades, you're not making your team better. So I, I try to be thinking about trades as often as I can. I look at players that might have a positional weakness at some place on their team, and I offer them trades. I've made these five trades, and I've probably offered another five to other members of the league just trying to, to do anything I can, which uh, also ties into... A lot of pretty one-sided. I think a lot of your trades, I've, from you trying to trade with me, you, you are a little one-sided in your trading with offers. You find people that are going for it, and sure. but I, yeah. I, I sometimes watch your trades and I'm like, man, Matt is really making some one-sided offers, and he's finding some people that are going for it. I'm really surprised a lot. I mean, yeah. When I offer a trade, too, that, that I really like, I'm not just trying to get that trade done. I'm also trying to really start a conversation with somebody else in the league, anybody mm -hmm. else in the league. I want to get to know them. I want to get to understand their evaluation of their own players. I want to see who they like on their team and on my team. And I want to play ball. I want to, I want to make trades. I want to make deals. I want to figure things out. I win some, I lose some. I traded away uh, James Conner last year right before he went big for nothing. I, I traded away Michael Thomas for Philip Dorsett. Uh, now, I, you know, I've also recently gotten yeah. Stefan Diggs, and I've made some good ones, I've made some bad ones. But I'm just constantly trying to make my team better as often as I can. Do you think you're over-trading? I mean, from, is your over-trading maybe leading to your lack of uh, more success in the league? You make some really good trades, but mm -hmm. then you also do make some trades. And, and it's, not, it's been more in the past than recently. Yeah, so well, I've gotten better at evaluating players. Yeah, you, you've gotten better at that. You, you've made some trades that I think have been detrimental, even recently as last year with, like, the James Conner trade. Do you think maybe you can be over-trading? Like, you I, might be... Absolutely. Absolutely. Like you're trying in too fact, hard to not love your players to the point where you're detrimental to yourself. Yeah, uh, in fact, I would say I definitely over-trade in general. I don't really mind, though, over-trading and losing some, because... To me, it's the most fun part of the game, is, is yeah. making trades and improving my team and being active. It's what I really, really enjoy specifically about, about Dynasty Fantasy Football. So I'm going to keep doing it, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep going hard and having a good time. I think you should. I mean, I think, you know, you hit that, it. Yeah. Trading is fun, and it's one yeah. of the funnest parts of Dynasty. Because when you're in redraft and you make a trade, eh. Who cares? Yeah, who but cares? But when it's when it's dynasty and you make that trade, and it's that guy turns your team out, for the next four years. Yeah, and he, he turns out to be a stud for the next four years. It, it feels really good. Mm -hmm. And uh, you know, this year you happen to make a lot of trades. Last year I made quite a few trades, 
I highly recommend uh, trading really as much as you as you can. I, I don't know about over trading. I mean, Matt did a really good job this last year when uh, what he was what Owen five. I was I was Owen seven. Owen uh, seven, and I made like eight trades, changed around my whole team, and finished five and one. Right, right, yeah. and I think that's a great example. So I but don't did know you about over trade before that. Probably I mean, did you. Yeah, but your talent evaluation is getting better because your trading this year has definitely been improving your team. A lot of that is, too. Talent evaluations are, are going to be different. A lot of fantasy football, we can try to kid ourselves and talk about all of the metrics and all the tape and, and think that we're the best scouts in the world. But at the end of the day, a lot of fantasy football kind of just comes down to chance. Yep. So I'm going to try to have fun and get the players that I want on my team and have a good time trading and do it as much as I can. And the other thing, too, about offering a ton of trades, yeah, I get the trades where it seems like I obviously won the trade, and those are nice. But it also lets other people know that I'm wanting to trade, and it lets them know what players I'm willing to get rid of, and what players I'm interested in, and yada, yada, yada. I don't think communication's ever really a bad thing. No, 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 it isn't. I agree. Yeah. All so right, I'm sorry if I annoy anybody in the league offering too many shitty trades. I don't mean for them to be <laughs> shitty. That's fine. I, I, it, it's, I don't mind. I mean, you're, you're trying to trade in your best interest. And, yeah. and if we have different talent evaluations or different valuations of players, it doesn't have to be talent evaluations. We can both agree a player is good. Mm-hmm. You could just look at him and say, at this point, I think he's worth X and I think he's worth Y. You yeah. Know? And, and yeah. Yeah, because the player may mean a different thing to a different person on their roster. I mean, you may need a, this position, and they may not need that position, mm-hmm. so they're expendable for them. And, right. And that's the other thing I do all the time. We talked about it some last podcast, but I am doing it literally constantly. Every day when I see any news blurb, I, I go and reassess. I'm constantly looking at everybody else's rosters to try and see what I could do that could help us mutually. You have a need at running back, and you have a receiver that I really like. Let's try to make a trade. You have a need at tight end, and you have a quarterback I really like. Let's try to make a trade. And, and I just make these offers as often as I can. Yeah, we'll, sometimes we'll I end about, up with Stefan Diggs. We'll talk about Rod Smith here in a second. Um, <laughs> let's move on. Let's move on uh, to the next trade with yeah. the Desperados. I'm going to go ahead and, and bring it up here. Desperados gave up Keelan Cole, Jacksonville mm-hmm. wide receiver, 2020 round three draft pick, and he got Kenyon Drake. Yeah. I, I think that's a fairly reasonable trade. I think that you came away a little better because I think Keelan Cole is kind of on the way out. I mean uh, – Keelan Cole was on my cut list, and the yeah. guy who I was trading with knew it at the time. Like, and, the, guy you were, the guy you were trading with, you mean your father? My father, yeah. yeah. The running yeah. back fiend. Yeah, the running yes, back the running fiend. Back fiend. So but I but think he, he didn't like Drake. The report's coming out that Balazs, we discussed this in the, our previous podcast, mm-hmm. that Balazs is, looks like he might be carving into Drake's role in Miami. Oh, yeah, uh, Absolutely. I didn't really do this trade because I'm in love with Kenyon Drake because I'm honestly not, especially because the day I made the trade, he had come down with an injury. He had been he had already been losing time to Kalen Balage. My thinking was just that Kenyon Drake undoubtedly, or, or inarguably really, has a chance to be good this year. Yeah. And I didn't really have a running back three. And the price was low enough that I thought it was a good trade to make 
for my depth and for a chance at a pretty good player who I've always liked as a prospect. Now, in, in, in relation to Drake and your third, I've offered you a second for Matt Breda, and you turned it down and wanted a first. Uh, yeah, that was that was last year when before Tevin that was Coleman earlier was there. this year. <laughs> huh? Was it? I think it was earlier this year, like before no, the season I'm, started. I'm pretty sure it was last year. <laughs> no, no, no. Like, 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 I actually am pretty sure it was last year because it was before Tevin Coleman was there. It might have been before Coleman yeah. went there. I'm, yeah, I'm almost certain this year before Coleman went there or something yeah. that we had discussed I, it. Because I, I like Brieta. I think he's a nice player. Mm-hmm. He's, he's gone down in my estimation. I still think he can perform when he's on the field, but they have that whole See? running back by committee and guys might be inactive. Yeah. Uh, but I'm like, wow, first-round pick for Matt Brieta? <laughs> and well, I see you make these other trades, and I'm like, okay, I gave a second-round pick. That seemed reasonable, but no, we want a first-rounder. <laughs> you trade I mean, different with different people. You try to gouge me. That's not true. I try to gouge everyone. No. Um, you do. Let's go to Rod Smith if we're discussing who you're trying to gouge. <laughs> let's, let's talk about Rod Smith later. Specifically about Matt Breida, I liked him way more than Jarek McKinnon. Um, I thought he was super talented. And honestly, last year, I really did think he was worth about a first-round draft pick. I still think talent-wise he is. But I think he's going to lose too much work to Tevin Coleman. I wouldn't ask for a first for him now. Yeah, Jarek McKinnon, evidently. Um, what? They're gonna, they're, McKinnon's back, isn't he there? And they're going to be like some three. Yeah, yeah, but I don't like Jarek McKinnon very much. I think he's overrated and overpaid. I agree with you, but he's still going to be taking taking stuff from Matt, Matt Bereta probably this season. Maybe. I, I Honestly, I don't really think so. Which which comes into like we had a different evaluation of him because I really liked Matt Bereta. Like, I, no, I really like him too. I'm just saying... This is the problem I think we run into in, in drafting and analysis of players is now we have to read the tea leaves of the team and what they're doing with players. Mm-hmm. We may believe a certain thing, but now we have to try to figure out what the team believes and if it syncs up with what we believe and if they're going to get the opportunity. Or if we yeah. think the guy's great and the team is just going to you know, crap all over the guy because they just don't have a high valuation on him. The previous uh, GM picked him, so you know what the heck, who cares? Uh-huh. Which which is, like, a good thing to do. And I'm, I was probably wrong about it with Matt Breida. I probably should have done Matt Breida for a second. But I didn't. I wasn't well, willing to. You, if I remember correctly, offered to trade me Matt Breida and Philip Lindsay for Saquon Barkley. Yeah, I'd have done that in a heartbeat. Oh, of course you, you would. would have. Yeah, of course <laughs> you would. In fact, I think you said something along the lines of, have some faith or something like that. That, that was your sell point. Have have some faith in Philip Lindsay. Yeah, I, I don't remember. Uh, I don't remember that one. I don't doubt that it happened though. <laughs> so Matt, as you were transitioning from being younger in the league to an older owner, I mean older owner, but you mm-hmm. were very young when you started, and there was a little bit of like this. Okay, Matt Long's going to help him on out, and he's not going to be doing this on his own because he's not quite sure. And and you've definitely taken the reins of that team at some point completely. I mean, but, I, my mom never really did anything. I didn't think she did anything. Yeah. I she thought just, your dad probably helped me. frequently. Uh, no, my dad didn't really help me much either. Uh, all okay. of my successes and failures have been pretty much my own. Uh, like, I'll pick my dad's brain all the time about, like, because he's so experienced, especially in Dynasty. Uh, yeah, like, I'll pick his brain about, like, strategy and things like that. But for the most part, I did what I wanted to do. Because at a certain point in time, it was interesting because my after meeting you before, you were a little quieter when I first met you. Uh-huh. And um, we, you sent me an email one time trying to get me a trade of player. And it struck me as having the same kind of verbiage your dad uses. 
And I told somebody, I said, I said, I felt like I was getting like, it was a used car salesman trying to sell me something. It's kind of yeah. like you're have a little faith getting, I'm like, wow, I feel like I'm getting like soft sold here by a used car salesman or something. Yeah. Really weird. Yeah. Um, told me specifically that. about the have a little faith thing. Yeah. I actually kind of remember that a little bit better now. I was kind of just messing with you there. Uh, no, no, no. I, I know you won't believe that at all. But I was actually kind of messing with you there. Uh, hey, it's, your, it's your spiel, man. It's your that? thing. There's your nothing spiel. wrong with that. Everyone's got to have a way to sell. <laughs> Especially if you're going to trade a lot. You've got to be convincing and you've got to have a way to sell. Mm-hmm. So right, you've got to go with the, the last trade that uh, Desperados made, the very most recent trade. Mm-hmm. Uh, Desperados gave up James Washington. Mm-hmm. Star writers gave up Damian Williams and Darrell Williams. Yes, uh, for Kansas City. This one surprised me. This was not a predatory mat. I had previously made an offer. I actually offered Emmanuel Sanders and Mohamed Sanu to him for Damian Williams mm-hmm. uh, first. Wow! So he knew that I was interested um, because I knew that he was loaded at running back. And really weak at receiver, so I decided to throw that trade out. He, he didn't take it. I ended up getting Stefan Diggs. And so then, did you offer him the Emmanuel Sanders Mohamed Sanu trade before our draft or near the end of it? Uh, I mean, he's right in the middle he, of it. I mean, he's got Nick Chubb. Uh, no, Nick no, Chubb, he's got Chris Carson. You got Joe Yeah, Chris Carson. So he does need another running back, and he traded away. Chris Carson was decent last year. Oh, I think Chris good. Carson's going to be great this year. Yeah, so I'll he's like pretty Chris good Carson's at running back. Sure. Yeah. So he liked his running backs. I had offered him that trade. I'm surprised he didn't take that trade. Honestly, he didn't really have enough time to accept it. And this was before Damian Williams was getting all the running back by committee talk. Yeah. But I offered him that trade. Uh, I think he was busy. I don't even know if he ever saw it. And then I also offered for for Stefan Diggs, which he shockingly accepted. Um, I was actually trying to get Damian Williams to get Stefan Diggs. I was trying to turn a paperclip into a house, basically. Well, you're um, working the angles, man. You're working like three guys at once to get over a trade here. That's pretty impressive. Yeah, yeah. I'm always thinking about it. But regardless, so I was just sitting around, and my brother is the owner of this team, uh, and he calls me up, and he offers me uh, Damian Williams for James Washington, who is a guy that he drafted last year, then let go, uh, and I picked up on the waiver wire. So I know it, like, he obviously really liked James Washington. James yeah. Washington had just had a big preseason game, and evidently he didn't think that much of uh, of Damian Williams, which I did. I thought about it for a while, and I started getting flashbacks to trading away James Conner, and <laughs> I'm almost certain that uh, James Washington is just going to light it up this year just because he's on the Steelers and I traded him away. But I I thought that the value was too much for me to not accept it, so I accepted it. Uh, and now my running backs are looking good all of a sudden. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. Interesting yeah. story about Damian Williams and just how things uh, change in in our dynasty leagues due to our roster sizes. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I originally had Damian Williams on my roster. Yeah. And ended up having to cut him. And then... He's never uh, done anything, ever. Right. And he's not and a then, young player. No. And then Angry Rooster picked him up on waivers. Had him on his roster for a while. Eventually, had to cut him, mm-hmm. and now now he's kind of almost like the darling new star that everybody's talking about. I I, I see articles that say Damian Williams RB one this year. Yeah, uh, but then but, the coach comes out and says running back by committee. Yeah, yeah. But I'm not all that high on Damian Williams or Kenyon Drake. Honestly, both of them I've been trying to trade. 
Um, <laughs> I bet you are. Well, why didn't you try to trade me uh, Damian Williams instead of Rod Smith? Let me let me read the, what you <laughs> said. To me. Rod Smith looks like a solid handcuff to Barkley. <laughs> Do you want him for a third or some injury insurance? <laughs> Rod That's Smith. Like a, a used car salesman pitch right there. Yeah. Rod Smith looks like a solid handcuff. Who's had one big game in like week 17 when it was total garbage time and he like caught some three big screen passes for Dallas last year or something. Yeah. I don't know. Years ago. I, I so like I Rod said, Smith. Um, I don't, I don't have my third, which I traded away. We talked about that earlier. Mm-hmm. Traded away in order to get Haskins. Yeah. And then you go, are you interested in him? There's a lot of pieces on your team I'd be interested in for him. So <laughs> tell me, who are the pieces on my team that uh, you're interested in? Uh, I like a lot of your receivers, which I thought you actually... Wait, 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 wait a minute for a second. John, put, put your wallet in your sock real quick before Matt starts talking to you. <laughs> just, just, just to take care of yourself. Now, okay, resume, Matt. Go ahead. What did you like? <laughs> I like a lot of your receivers. I like Chris Conley with what I've been hearing. Uh, you know I like Kiki QT. I drafted him. Yeah. Uh, I like Corey Davis. I like I've, Christian I Kirk. Paid a nice, I paid a nice price for Kiki QT, too. Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Vance McDonald and uh, the pick yeah, that went on to get Deontay Johnson, I believe. Yeah. So you were I like Alan for... Robinson. I like Equinemius St. Brown. I even like Justin Watson. So I was kind of just trying to uh, start a conversation like I was talking about. You might get lucky. I might. I might cut uh, Watson or St. Brown. Or St. Uh-huh. Barkley. Yeah. I might. I might cut Rod Smith. <laughs> what are the odds? Who would yeah. think that's coming? Well, like, and I wasn't just trying to give you nothing. I actually like Rod Smith. Like, I picked him up because I was hoping uh, he would stay on as the the handcuff to Zeke. Because I thought if Zeke ever went down or did something like he's doing right now, Rod Smith could get a lot of value. And I thought maybe you'd like him too. I'm sorry that I offered you such bullshit. Oh, that's okay. I, I, I like Rod Smith. So left, yeah. I don't like him as a player. I think he's a nice little backup. He mm-hmm. doesn't. He's not dynamic. He's not explosive. He's not a guy that like. He's not. He's not. If you want him to run for three yards in a hole, he's a big <laughs> burly guy who's going to move the ball a little bit. Uh-huh. But he's not. He's not dynamic. He's never going to. He had one big game, and it wasn't that. You know, he's just not an explosive athlete as, at a running back. Uh-huh. Nice player, serves a great role in the league, and this is from an NFL perspective, it's different. But from a fantasy perspective, I don't like Rod Smith that much. He's mm-hmm. just kind of a yeah, yeah. That was a as a. <laughs> I'm trying to to see if anybody wants like maybe Ty Montgomery. That's a guy that I kind of want to keep on my roster, but I don't. I'm maybe roster constrained, and I'm really torn about that right now. And trading him might alleviate that for me, where I get some value back for him mm-hmm. and go the year without him. Um, probably don't want a whole lot, but that's a that's just a player that same position as you are with Rod Smith. And Montgomery's mm-hmm. been a little more productive than Smith, but he's just behind um, Bell, and I just don't I, know what's going to happen. I remember there. Marty, you offering me Montgomery for a second, third. No, it was and a you second. You said you didn't have it. Is it a second? Yeah, you wanted a second. I offered well, that's a That's worse than not, mine. Not, I, not, no, it isn't, because Montgomery's put <laughs> way more yards than Rod Smith ever has. This was right when when Montgomery changed from wide receiver to running back, and it looked oh, like okay. it was well, going to be pretty successful. That's yeah. a little, but that was a reasonable offer back then. I think yeah, recently, yeah. yeah. Back then, that's fine. It was reasonable, yeah. He actually helped me win some games because he got – 
kept it running wide receiver in our league, but was playing as running back and put up some nice yards. And I was able to play him at wide receiver, but get that running back position uh, touches and stuff out of him. And I think for two weeks before the MFL adjusted, I actually, he played him and he won. So you're saying you're a cheater. No, I'm saying I used the <laughs> rules of the system. I'm saying the MFL, MFL, the my fantasy league website didn't change him officially because I think the NFL hadn't changed him quickly either. So <laughs> I think it was them responding to that. I, yeah. I look, I've had ESPN has been worse than that. I was on ESPN one time, and I think I can't remember the player position change, but I mean they did not change it at all, and it actually I can't remember who it was years ago, but it affected my team, and I was like. I don't think they changed it till the season was over. I'm like, what is going on with this? But, you know, it's just weird stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. I've noticed MFL is not good about uh, updating team changes either Mm -hmm. when players get traded. They're lagged by a couple weeks a lot of times. They Uh, still had Alan Hearns on the Cowboys for like two weeks after he went to Emmy. I noticed that, yeah. Yeah. Sometimes it's the whole season. Yeah, that's the deal. But I, I... I wonder what causes that. You would think they would have, they would be linked. I think they are linked to a certain site, and I guess it's from their linking there and their information that there's a lag. So yeah. I, I don't, don't know. know. But it's annoying for me as I'm trying to collect statistics and they're on the wrong team. And then I, I have to build in systems to adjust for those uh, errors. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's frustrating because it, it yeah. really messes up the process. Yep. Ugh. Well, guys, I think that was a great discussion we had there. Um, We're going to wrap up this podcast episode of the Fantasy Football Renegades. And uh, from me, Marty, and John and Matt, we will talk to you guys soon and look forward to having more fantasy football excitement.